Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, I've got a very special guest, actually two special guests. Scarlett and Flint Ziegler made waves in the bikepacking world when they became a father and daughter duo to complete the 2,750-ish miles of the Great Divide mountain bike route. Now, many people have done this route, but what sets them apart is that Scarlett did it when she was only 13 years old. And as you'll hear on today's episode, bikepacking and bike touring and self-supported bike riding is not new to Scarlett. She started her journey at two years old when she was towed along with her family on bike tours. And from there, it was just a progression that continued until today. I think you will find Scarlett to be an incredible young woman who has done some amazing things. And she's not one to brag or boast, and so I will do it for her. What she's doing is absolutely amazing. It's incredible. And I think what we learn on today's episode is that when we give our children an opportunity to experience the world in this manner, to be self-reliant, to grow without boundaries, well... There are no boundaries. I hope that you enjoy this one as much as I did. And before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. I'd like to give a warm welcome and a shout out to Mountain Bike Shenanigans. Oh, I'm going to get this one wrong. Vila Hatja, Hatja from Finland. I hope I got that one even close to right. Also, Patty Short, Steve Lindman, Steve Thompson, Keith Buchanan, and Gary Kors. We also had a couple patrons increase their pledge this month, so we'd like to thank Alfred Lau and Chris Hodgkinson for increasing your pledge. We cannot produce these episodes without your support, so if you would like to help produce these episodes and show a little support to the Bikes for Death team, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Today, we have Katie Bryce, who is the CEO of Old Man Mountain Racks to talk to us today. Welcome to the show, Katie. Yeah, uh, stoked to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you could hop on a call. So Old Man Mountain makes bike racks that are traditionally thought of as used for bike touring. What would you say to that? Yeah, so Old Man Mountain started in 1996 when we wanted to put racks on bikes that weren't made for touring, mostly mountain bikes. And at that time, it was front suspension bikes. Um, So we use racks because we like to stay out longer. We like to carry a little more gear. Sometimes, because that's putting in more miles and really pushing ourselves. Other times, we pack, you know, some luxury items, like a camp chair, to find a nice spot to hang out in the backcountry. Old Man Mountain Racks also let us ride whatever bike we want. So you don't need eyelets on your bike. You can run a full suspension bike with Old Man Mountain Racks. The racks allow us to position our gear with a low center of gravity, so we don't feel held back by the weight of our food and sleeping bag and all the gear swinging around. Well-positioned and strapped-down gear is stable and secure, so we can just ride and rally whatever trails we like. So one thing y'all say over at Old Man Mountain is that your racks let you ride whatever bike that you want. 
What do you mean by that? Any bike you want. Uh, we make a full <laughs> selection of what we call fit kits. The fit kits allow you to mount the rack to the through axle on the bike at the center of the wheel. Every bike has a center of the wheel. So if you have a bike you love, but it doesn't have eyelets on it, it doesn't matter. One of our axles and the included gear that goes with it for the upper attachments and you're ready to go. Yeah, that's amazing. So what are some of the advantages of bike racks versus traditional bike packing bags? Personally, for me, I'm a small rider. I'm five feet tall, so my bikes are very small. I can't even get a water bottle on my mountain bike. So racks allow me to carry gear. Um, and bike packing has kind of been on this arc. It used to be called touring and racks and panniers were the standard. Then we came up with small seat bags, frame bags, handlebar bags, and that was for fast and light trips or credit card packing, things like that. And they work great for that when you don't need to carry much. But it kept growing and growing to try to take on longer trips and longer sections of trail and rides without resupply. So now there are all kinds of new designs trying to stop these oversized bags from swaying around and getting in the way of your drop-up posts, particularly with the seat bags. Really, the best solution has been here all along. No, they really are amazing. And actually, um, my friend and I just went bikepacking for the first, well, it wasn't my first trip. It was her first trip and she's five foot two and finding a solution to fill that gap uh, was really hard. How do you get all the stuff on your bike? And we actually got an old man mountain rack to go on the back and it really fit the bill. I mean, you're able to put way more stuff on. So uh, proof of concept right there. They're amazing racks and I appreciate you coming on to talk to us about them a little bit. If people want to check them out on the interweb, where should they go? www.oldmanmountain.com. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today, Katie. We'll see you on the trails. All right. Thank you. Today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. I started using them because if you've noticed, food options have become increasingly faster and less healthy. Eating healthy these days can actually be kind of challenging. It can be a little bit expensive. It can be harder to find good and healthy options. And it can be harder to get the nutrients and the veggies that your body needs. So for me, I found that Athletic Greens is a great solution to help manage a healthy diet with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take mine every morning in about 12 ounces of cold water. And it's a great way to start the day knowing that I gave my body something really good to get the engine going. Now, to make this easy, and we want to make it easy, if you'd like to try Athletic Greens, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death again. That is athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate in daily nutritional insurance. 
All righty. Well, the bills have been paid. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. All right, let's get to my chat with Scarlett and Flint Ziegler. One note about this episode, I actually talked to Scarlett first, and then after I'm done chatting with her, her dad hops on and we have a little chat. But before we get to today's episode, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Do you have any uh, questions or anything before we get rolling, Scarlett? No. Ever done a podcast before? No, I haven't. I haven't done anything like this before until like we got home from the divide, and though people are like, "Oh, we want, we want another story," and then yeah, we want articles, we want all this stuff. I'm like, (laughs) I didn't realize that. So yeah, but we were very excited. We had two. We had like the I think we had two podcasts and radio like um requests on the same day. It was from you and then another one in Orlando. Oh Somebody. wow. So I'm like, okay, well this will be interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you've been doing this for a while, but I didn't hear about you until all the articles came out about Tour Divide. We didn't really circulate anything too much. Um it was just like I guess it's basically been a part like writing's been a part of my life for so long that it's like we grew up or I grew up and just writing and it's never been a big it's never been really a big deal that's just like oh I ride my bike okay I ride my bike but then it's 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 kind of odd to us that there's people that are like oh uh, she's she's riding a bike she's 13 it's crazy and I'm over here like oh is it i didn't know that so we like never really circulated anything just because it's normal to us um but i mean there's been there's been a few articles out on restrap already um about about what i've done just a couple like little national forest rides and stuff but then we, we like we we already have a little bit of backing from the erie canal which was fun but the, i think that kind of helped to circulate this because people already kind of knew knew who we were we had an article on the route of us for that and so now people are like okay we know who you are companies are reaching out websites are reaching out and so they like they knew they knew us from our previous small interactions and i guess the word just has just spread that yeah. was new massive thing because i've never done anything like this before I wish I had uh, heard about you four years ago. Whenever I started the po- podcast, I would have had you on a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. No, I'm glad. I'm glad to get a chance to talk to you. Um, I'm actually glad you're a real person. I was reading on the internet that you might not even be real, so I was worried maybe you wouldn't yeah. show up today. No, no. the 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 not real person in that one was the person circulating the 
rumors that I'm not a real person. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, for anyone who doesn't like, know, it's not the new joke is like, oh, Scarlett's fake. You're not a real person. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. you're real. It's birds that are still in question. We have to question if birds are yeah. real, but we, we can yeah. we can definitively say that Scarlet is real. And next time somebody on the internet tries to troll you, troll you, you can just send them this, this art or this podcast. I'm real. (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. So, uh, there were several articles that got published recently about your tour divide run that you did with your father and on singletracks.com in the, in the comments, some guy was, Uh, making a lot of hay, saying you might not be real, saying it's impossible to go 40 miles on a mountain bike downhill. Uh, You can't complete the Tour Divide in 42 days, all these things. Uh, It was all a bunch of rubbish, but I'm curious, what what did y'all make of that? Did that get under your skin at all, or or how did you take that? I was, well, when I first saw it, like, so I work goats, um, and I show goats, and there's a big show called The Farm Show, and it's like, it's a lot of livestock and all that. And I was showing there, we were sitting there for four days and we're staying at the complex, sleeping in the complex. So we, we were all running on like zero sleep because we, we you just run out of time and then like lose our time. And it's suddenly midnight. You're like, oh, it's midnight. We didn't know that. But uh, so of course, like I'm exhausted and then we're up really early and I'm just like scrolling through my iPad and I see, I get this call from dad he's like oh your single tracks article went up i'm like oh cool so i went through and read it because i didn't write that article um that was from jeff barber so i'm like oh i'm, I'm curious to see what he what he put out because we were we were all wondering how it was gonna how it was gonna go and so i read it and i kind of scrolled down to the comments because i always i always like reading the comments and i'm just like seeing all this and i'm like what's well, interesting kind of confused <laughs> um so then I just like ignored it. I'm just like, I have worse things to worry about than somebody. And like Jeff's already sticking up for me. He's up, he's out there like defending me. And I'm like, there's really no reason for me to get involved in all of this because I think I'm wondering if I'm going to make it worse. So I'm just going to let it alone and I'll deal with it later. So, but then yeah. dad had, um, he'd gone up and, he he posted a novel up there on explaining <laughs> questions, and he's like, "Did you see my comment?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I saw your comment." Of course, I see, I saw it. And I'm like, "So this is why the page is so long." <laughs> like, I'm really glad he posted, I'm really glad he posted the comment, but Dad takes things. He like he writes a long. He writes things way longer than they need to be. like he will this is this is not a lie he will um use a thesaurus for text messages oh nice like he'll have to look up in the thesaurus like a synonym for some random word he wants to use in a text message (laughs) i like it well (laughs) i can't we're like okay fine (laughs) <laughs> I can't throw shade. Uh, I always say brevity is not my strength. I have a tendency to ram- ramble uh, both in word and in uh, in writing. So um, yeah. I can't throw any shade. But I think what he was trying to do is maybe not speak directly to that one individual, but maybe right. speak to um, uh, you know, a wider audience that might uh, come across it and and kind of explain 
um, you know, your lifestyle and you've been doing this for a while and you're homeschooled yeah. and, and, and it, I, don't, I don't think he was necessarily baited into that one guy, but right. I, if I had to, if I had to take a guess, I would say that y'all probably get comments and, and maybe criticism and, and kind of questioning, um, you know, the validity and, and, and the, um, what's a good word? you know, whether or not it's just a good idea for a 12, 13, you know, back when you were 10 and eight years old, you know, a young lady to go out there and do these type of types of things. So yeah. I'm guessing y'all have kind of heard this type of thing before. Yeah. Um, we've had like, we've had the cops called on us because like, it's just because people like, again, this is unheard of. Like nobody sees a kid out on a bike with her father a paddle yeah. bike and like riding her own bike, ca- hauling her own gear. Um, like it's, it's unheard of. So we've had people call the cops on us just because they've never seen it before. And every time the cops just like, I have to respond to it. You're fine. But like, I have to come out here, but just, they don't know what's going on. They usually think dad kidnapped me, but the cops like, honestly, if you had kidnapped her, you wouldn't be forcing her to ride a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyone so. knows, you know, most uh, you know, preteen girls, uh, you know, you excluded and and not to speak to all of them, but I have a 13-year-old daughter, and yeah. if I was going to kidnap her, the last thing I would do is put her on a bicycle and try to force her <laughs> right. to ride 800 or 1000 miles or whatever it is. I mean, that's right. that's 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 a recipe doomed to failure. Have any of these people approached you specifically or or do they just call the cops and well, usually, well, we kind you. of both. Mo- sometimes it'll be like people, um, people will like talk to come up and talk to us and have a conversation, like at a grocery store or whatever. And then the cops show up, and we already like we already know who this was. It was the person. It was the lady that talked to us outside the price right. That was like talking to us about yoga. And this was in Little Falls. This is a true story. But then uh, the cops just show up. And they're like, well, we heard from this lady. I don't know if you know her. We're like, oh, we know her. That's for sure. <laughs> and then sometimes it'll be like somebody passing us in a car or whatever, or at a gas station. They just see us go by or stop and they'll call then. At, at what point did you start to realize, because now you are aware that that what you're doing is, is way outside the norm um, and you know, people are calling the cops on you. People are legitimately <laughs> concerned. I mean, they, they don't know what to make of what they're seeing. Right. At what point did you start to, and, and you alluded to how this is just normal for you. So at what part, at what point did you start to realize that what you're doing is unique and, and special and, and, and different? Uh, I, I honestly, I can't answer that question because it, I guess it like hasn't hit me yet. Cause again, I grew up like, I grew up like this. So it's still like not out of the norm and I'm also homeschooled. So I live a bit of a different life than everybody else. And I guess I don't really have any kind of a basis of, of any of this. So I can't really say like I had, I woke up one morning and had this big realization that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm unique. I've, I'm doing things other people don't do. It's like, I, I I've never really had that. Um, but it's just like dad will, dad will come up to me and be like, there's nobody else doing this. You're crazy. And I'm like, but 
I don't, I, I haven't had the big realization. Like it's just, again, it's just a part of my life. It's just like, it just fits in the little, it just fits in the slot. I'm like, yeah. Okay. But That's cool. yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's again, like, I, I, I don't know. Cause then the other thing is people are like, Oh, it's a great divide. It's, it's so long. It's so crazy. But when you're out there doing it, it doesn't feel long. It doesn't feel hard or crazy. It just feels like another ride. Um, now, obviously, after effects hit you, when you come home, we, we're still dealing with that and probably will be for the rest of our lives. But um, what do you mean by that? The after effects? Well, there's been some there's been some issues. Um, and I'm going to try I'm going to try to wear this right because I don't want to annoy like take anybody off. But um, basically, we all kind of got some effects from the time away from home because it's like you it doesn't matter how many times you've done it um who you're going out with how long it took you you're gonna have an after effect there's gonna you're gonna change from the divide change is gonna the, the divide is gonna change you but it, di- it differs from person to person time to time you do it the distance and um it depends on like sometimes it'll be different for what hits you the most and it's, it'll be the terrain it'll be the um it'll be the terrain it'll be the time it'll be the site like beauty. Yeah. beauty it'll just be it, it it depends on it just depends on the on on who you are and i know what hit me personally and my mother was um the time because i like i said i work for a go or i'm i'm a go girl i work for a go farm and i i love goats just as much as bikes and I just like that my dream. So it was hard for me to be away for that amount of time. Um, it was hard for me to be away from them. It was hard for me to be away from school. It was hard to be, it, it was hard for me to be away from all of that because like I, I've been working for Jen, my, who owns the farm that I work for. And uh, I've, been work, I've been working for her for three years and I, I, I just love it. And it's it, like, that's the first time I've ever been away from home for two months um, away from working for two months it's and that was that was kind of hard on me so I know some some of that stuff hit me the other thing is when you're out there on the ride you don't I mean I lo- like the views are great and all of that and the like the physical side of it's hard and it's great but eventually you get these points where you, <laughs> there's really nothing to do so you just think and you're thinking and you're thinking and eventually you kind of think all the thoughts that you can think. So they just keep going and going in like one direction and you can't really get them to turn around because there's nothing behind them to think about. So then you just start thinking about like the oddest things and <clears throat> I'm still dealing with that. <laughs> and it's, I know it sounds, it's, I know it sounds weird, but that's kind of just how it is. And that happens with that happens with like every ride, but like the longer the longer the ride it it is, like the difference the different the effects. And so like all of that kind of hit me. But my mom kind of realized she de- she wasn't really happy with my her marriage to my dad, like the way it was working out and the way it was going. So <clears throat> she kind of got hurt, and she's like she's trying to work through that with him without divorcing I'm trying to get through this and he had a he was having panic attacks 
which we didn't know this until he got home until we got home um but apparently it was like there was a lot more stress on him that than anybody really imagined just from the divide so I think that's what hit him was the stress um because like yeah I take care of myself but I'm I'm still his responsibility I'm still just 13 or 14 now but he's so he was like he felt really responsible for me and that was hard being away from like we were without cell service for four days we were without food and water resupply for four days like and that that's hard um but apparently like it was impacting him way harder than we ever realized so um that was so he then he kind of got home and he was having some panic attacks some mental breakdowns and so like he we were trying to deal with that and he's getting better at it now he's started going to therapy and he's talking he's he's talking about his feelings he's realizing like kind of what his issues are like mentally like what he does that that led to that um he's trying to so he's trying to like calm that down and yeah like we're we're doing good but it's just stuff's changed <laughs> wow um, that's um, interesting i mean it really speaks to, I appreciate you sharing that, but it speaks to more than just the physical toll that um, something like this can take. And it, and it really has a, a profound and lasting impact in, in, in your life, you know, in, in your personal life. I just learned about you that you are very mature. You are very emotionally intelligent. And also that y'all are a pretty tight-knit family. And it sounds like you share you share a lot that y'all are really close. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of hard to have that family dynamic right now, just because it always ends in an argument. Like <laughs> it, I, I, I'm feeling like I'm not really happy with our family dynamic right now because it's like, we have to watch a movie because anything else will uh, like, like, <laughs> Anything else will just blow up and we'll be, or there'll be arguing and I'll walk away and then be asked, why did you walk away? Well, you guys were arguing. We were having family time. No, we weren't having family time. So it's like, that's, that's getting really hard is to not have any quality family time anymore because it always ends in an argument. So, yeah, that's tough. I'm sorry to hear that. One thing I've, I, I try to reflect on and keep in perspective is much like bike packing or bike touring. You know, these are endurance efforts and, and our life is an endurance effort and there are going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys and there's going to be hard times. And I know I'm personally, I'm divorced twice and I'm not recommending a divorce, but I, it just speaks to, um, my own personal relationship with knowing how difficult relationships are and, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we try to pretend like these relationships are, are easy and everything's fine. The, the truth is, is that relationships are hard. They take work. Life can be challenging and take work. And, um, and that, you know, that's okay. But we need to, I think, recognize that that's just part of the process. And hopefully, you know, the end goal is, is where we're trying to get. You know, we're trying to get to the end of the divide. And there's going to be there's going to be beautiful spots and there's going to be low spots. There's going to be mechanicals. There's going to be all the things. And that's all part of the human experience, you know? Yep. This too shall pass. I love, 
I say that all the time. This too shall pass. Very good. I like it. Let's yeah. uh, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about um, how you were introduced to cycling, and and maybe this will speak a little bit more to your fi- family dynamic. But um, but yeah, I mean, this has just been a part of your life. So when and how were you introduced to cycling? So I was two when we first when we did our first. Um, tour and I know dad was just he was kind of looking for something that we could all do as a family that wasn't really it was like kind of out of everybody's league um because it's like we all live completely different lives and we we have always lived completely different lives um and what was what was happening was like my mom was at a desk job as we call it she was working for Bosch um plastics engineering and he was taking care of me and I'm of course too. So, but he was trying to figure out something that we could all do together. Like he, yes, he, he's always been a biking person, but he wasn't really into the touring side of cycling at that point. He was doing freestyle and the little bikes. Um, so he was trying to figure out something that we could all do together. That wasn't like, like we, we find it's really hard for the other two people to step into one, one person's realm. Um, so it's like, it's kind of hard for everybody to step into goats with me because just cause I'm, I've been working them for three, four years and it's, it's hard for them to be able to walk into that same thing. It's kind of hard for us to walk into my mom's sewing. Um, cause she's a seamstress. It's hard for, it's hard for us to kind of go in there because she's a pro at it. And it's like, she's also a perfectionist. Sorry, mom, but, um, like it, it, so it's hard for us to walk into that it's hard for us to walk into my dad's realm of fixing bikes and working at ski around top because again he's like the pro at that kind of stuff so we're all so it, it's hard for that but touring at that point nobody did it so we could walk out and start um just do something that that nobody else did so we were none of us were pro at it and none of us sucked so we were just come to do it as a family and it did eventually morph into something that my dad and I did, but um, we kind of fell in love with it. Even and <laughs> we're all surprised we fell in love with it because the first trip sucked. We decided to go the week between Christmas and New Year's, and we were living in North Carolina at that point, so we were going to go. How old were you at this time? I was two. Oh, okay. So do you remember I like, this? I I do not like fully, but I remember bits and pieces of it. Okay, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I remember. Um, it was like, it, like the, the trip was a mess. It was following hurricane something, some, some hurricane. I don't remember what it was. One of the, it was like Katrina or whatever, whichever ones hit the islands down there on the coast and like decimated everything. Um, Sounds like Katrina. Yeah. So it was, it was right after that. So everything was a mess. Um, people like there were, <laughs> there was really like, nobody there and the people that were there were like what are you doing this is following a major hurricane why are you out here trying to camp when it's cold <laughs> and we were we were having we had strapped um cat litter boxes to the bike and had canned food in these cat litter boxes and mom forgot a can opener <laughs> <laughs> So we're toting these massive bags full of, or boxes full of um, canned food 
that we couldn't open, which means we couldn't eat because mom decided we're going to bring canned food because it'll last. But what good's canned food if you can't get into the canned food? Not, so. not great. <laughs> no. So we were, we were riding a tandem um, and I was on the back and then it was mom behind dad. And then we had a bomb trailer over and we got on the ferry because you have to take a ferry from um, one of the islands over to down to Ocracoke. And we got on the uh, ferry and we were, we were longer than most every vehicle on the ferry. And we got up to the ticket booth and they're like, well, it's $2 a bike or $3 or however much it was. And dad's like, well, there's three people on one bike. She's like, well, it's still one bike. So I guess I let you through. (laughs) So it was like, it, it, it was quite the, it was quite the trip, but we liked it. And like, yeah, it was the worst week we could have gone. We had no idea how to pack. Uh, we were riding through hurricane damage, but I guess we had fun. <laughs> Type two fun, right? <laughs> we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, when did you, when did you personally internalize cycling, self-supported cycling and kind of make it your own rather than it being, Hey, we're doing this as a family. Cause at two, you're not making decisions, you know, your parents right, are just right. taking yeah. you. So at what point did you internalize this and make it something that you love to do? Um, well, it's, I was kind of transferred over to doing self-supported. Um, as I got older, so we purchased a Yuba, which is like a big cargo bike. And then dad messed with the, um, runner boards in the back. So that way my tie, my front tire of my bike would just drop down into it. And then we could just strap the bike onto the Yuba and he could haul me. Oh, that's cool. And I would have like a quote. I had to do five miles a day and then I had to do 10 miles a day. And then I had to do 15 miles a day. I had to do 20 miles a day. And then I just had to ride and I could have whenever I wanted, but I still had to ride. And then we soon stopped bringing the Yuba and I did that. And I kind of realized, and like, I I guess I just kind of realized I liked it. I liked the independence. I liked the... I like the endurance. I like the, I like the grit and determination needed to be able to finish a ride. And it was also something I could put into homeschooling. Um, Cause in Pennsylvania, when you hit third grade, you have to start logging hours log, or sorry, logging days. Um, you have to have your subjects, you have to take a test and you have to start submitting a portfolio. So suddenly like everything you did, cause like when you're in first and second grade, nobody really cares what you do. They're just like, you're in first and second. You're good. Good job. Because you have to learn. You have to learn to read and write. I taught myself, I just kind of like taught myself to read almost because I would just look at books and I'd kind of start making the connections. Okay. When dad reads, when dad reads this book out loud, this is what he's taught. This is what he's saying. So this must be what this word is and like all that kind of stuff. And we just kind of worked on it and I could, I started reading probably around the age of two or three um four whatever and so it's like cycling was kind of a lot like that was just I I liked the I liked the independence of of all of it and I could it was something I could make on my own and so I started I started going I started kind of going with that let's talk about because I was interested to learn more about how you dovetail cycling into your homeschooling and, and what the overlap is there. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I lose track of what I'm saying. Sometimes. Oh, no, no, but, no. Uh, you, you were right on point. Uh, but, but the thing yeah. was, 
But the thing with cycling is you can count it for a lot of different subjects. So once you get into high school, you can take, it's like social studies, math, science, English, and art humanities. That's all you have to take. Um, and then obviously you should take your phys ed. Wait, wait, wait is what, what four is it? Do it again. Five. Um, five. Science, math, English, social studies, and arts and humanities. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I heard. I thought I heard four, but go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry, I talk pretty fast. No, but, you're good. Um, once you're when you're in like your for when you're in middle school and elementary school, you have to have a bunch of subjects. So obviously you're five, but then you need to have phys ed, music, uh, P, uh, yeah, P and was, I think there's two more, but I, yeah, might be, maybe it's language. I feel like there's another one, but, um, like there's a whole arts. bunch more. Yeah. That would be under art humanities, but, um, like there's a whole bunch more that you have to take. So, um, but cycling can count for a lot. Oh, geography. See, that was the, that was the one I was leading up to, and it's one I forgot. But, you got uh, it. <laughs> it's geography, so you can use cycling for geography. Um, obviously, phys ed. You can use it for science. You can use it for sometimes English if you're reading about what you're doing. Um, history, like the Erie Canal. We read books on history of the Erie Canal and how it was built and when it was built and what was happening at that time. So you can count it for so many different subjects that it's really helpful for your homeschooling. Yeah. And I don't even think that's cheating. I've said on this podcast, and I truly believe it, you will gain a greater understanding of your own city or a different area when you're riding through it, when you're experiencing it slowly, when you're seeing how the river connects to the stream and how the railroad connects to the streets and how the even the suburbs change to the city and, and how the traffic patterns change. And I mean, you are getting a much more immersive learning experience through riding exactly. your bike than you could yeah. if you were in a book reading about it. Right. That, like that's what, like, that's the other thing that we do with homeschooling is like things like, things like 4-H, things like cycling, things like goats, things like shows, things like all of that, all of the hands-on stuff. Um, I always feel so much better than going and reading and doing my workbooks because then I'm kind of experiencing it for my, experiencing it for myself and I'm learning what I need to learn. Um, but that's really going to help me in life. Like, yeah. like stuff about the physical world, things about the outside world and how the thing, how those things work, because I can learn all I, all I can about my school subjects and then turn 16 and have no idea how to drive and have yeah. no idea like any parts of that. But if I go out and ride my bike and I watch traffic and I, that I know, I already know how to ride the roads and that'll transfer to a car really easily. I can already drive and like it's going to be no problem when I get to 16, just learn how to drive. Um, whether, so it's like, it's like, I, I feel that that applies to almost everything in your life is just the more hands on you do, especially with cycling. Um, you can just apply that. And yeah. It works. It works so much better. One thing I talk about is how, you know, one of the great benefits of, you know, self-supported cycling is it is self-supported. It is um, you learning how to be capable, learning how to navigate, learning how to rely on yourself, learning that, you know, you can then internalize and know for a fact that you are a capable, 
person that when challenges arise, you can deal with those. And that is something you can take and apply in your entire life. You know, that that lesson to learn how to rely on yourself, that you are a capable human being can be applied in anything. And, and I feel like from there, it's just about applying yourself in the direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think we kind of touched on this, but so, I mean, I think the question I was going to ask you is like, this really isn't your dad pushing you um, and, and kind of, you know, prodding you along because he wants someone to ride with. It, it does seem that this is absolutely something that, that you want to be doing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's like, there's parts, there's parts of cycling that he will just do that. I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. I have no desire to do this. Um, he likes to do lots of winter rides. Um, like a lot of them. And I'll like, I'm good. We do the November ride of pain, which I can do. But I won't go tell out. Me, like, tell me about the November Ride of Pain. Let's okay, hear about so that's, that. Because <laughs> I, did, I, did, I just heard it mentioned in an article, but no details. So I was curious. Yeah. Okay. So that is, it's the first week or two in November, depending on the route we're doing. And we'll just go out and we do a ride. Um, sometimes we'll do a trail. Sometimes we'll just plan a ride. One year we went out and we went out to Jim Thorpe, which is a little historic town near New Jersey. Or maybe it's in New Jersey. No, it's not in New Jersey. It's just kind of along the border. Um, we did a couple of the different canals over there, and we just lived it back home. Um, we've done some national forests, maybe. We've done the Tino Canal. Um, we've done the Erie Canal multiple times for our November ride. But um, every year we go out, and it's just like a tester, and it kind of gets you used to the cold. Because, um, like, I'm always, I'm always asked this question because. I don't ever wear like a heavy sweatshirt or a coat. I always, I always forget my coat and sometimes I regret it, but usually I'm just like, I'll be fine. Good. But people, but I'll be like walking around in a t-shirt while everybody else has two layers on. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Where is your coat? I'm like, I'm comfortable. Why are you bundled up? Um, (laughs) So like that's, um, So why don't you like why don't you like the winter riding if you are adapted and and it seems like you handle the because cold I prefer well. having the I prefer having the option of warmth but um and it's like I, I'm good and it's it's like dad will ask me like why aren't you ever on your bike in the winter why are why are you thinking about bike trips I'm like because it's the winter time and it's it's like winter transitions into spring which is kidding season um it's like height of school season and so it's just like a lot of different things besides cycling because i view cycling as more of a summer thing so spring summer fall um is i'm usually pretty heavy into cycling but winter i usually take a reprieve start and that's when i start planning rides and i do all that kind of stuff and then everything just ramps back up as soon as it hits spring yeah sounds good it sounds like sounds like balance you know you uh, take some time off and then you're you're eager to get back out there and um you know, uh, obviously I preach bikes, but I, I think some time off the bike can, can be a good thing to reinvigorate your desire to get back out there. And if you're right. doing it all the time, if you're always out there, then, yeah. you know, maybe it loses a little like, bit okay, of a... I'm kind of done. But, yeah. yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Then you can go yeah. play with your goats and take a little exactly. downtime and get excited <laughs> about the next thing. 
Yeah, yeah that's cool. So it seems like from uh, researching th- for this episode that a lot of your um, prior to the tour divide, a lot of your uh, bike tours were on like rails to trails. Is that accurate? Yes. Or? Um, yeah. So there's a couple of rail trails that we do. Um, it's usually like most of it's road riding and trail riding, just like a mix. But yeah, we do usually what happens is we'll find a route that we want to do. We see if there's any rail trails near that and we'll incorporate them into the route because they're a good reprieve from, from cars and all that. They're usually pretty historic. So again, the homeschool thing. So we usually, um, we'll route our, we'll route our rides like through the, through any, um, rail trails that there are near the route and, um, we'll ride those instead of the roads. Yeah. I love rails to trails. I wish we had more in our area, but it seems like at least within a pretty close vicinity, y'all have a a pretty rich supply of, of opportunities to go ride rails to trails. Yeah. One like, um, solstice century from restrap that we do. Um, if we, like usually we create our own route, but this past summer dad did it. I didn't, I failed at the last second, but, uh, we just wrote, he just rode over to the, um, York Heritage Trail, rode down, it's connected to the Tory Brown Trail, rode down to the end of that, turned around, and came back home. And so we just like did the whole century on the rail trail, um, yeah. which was pretty cool. Yeah. No, I love them. I'm wondering though, so as I was thinking about this, you know, it seems like most of your experience has been mostly paved on rails, trail, rails to trails. And I'm wondering how that how that uh, prepared you for the Tour Divide, which is, you know, 90% off-road and a lot of climbing up to 12,000 feet. Um, what did you have to do to, to make that transition? Um, well, we did a couple of training rides for this. One of them was the Blue Ridge Parkway, which, or was the Skyline Drive Blue Ridge Parkway. And that, um, so that was, that was mostly just like, that was literally up riding the ridgeline of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, and like literally riding the ridgeline of Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> so it was some great views, but it was a lot of climbing. So that kind of helped us help build us up. And that one we did, I think it was three weeks before the divide. Um, there's a trail or not a trail, it's a route from um, nowhere on the Pennsylvania, New York border to nowhere on the Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland border. And we did that. Wait a second. Are those real places called nowhere or you're just saying they're they're literally like nowhere. Like, is everything okay? Well, the light just decided it's done. Okay. Well, okay. that, we can, as long as you have electricity, it's, uh, we're still <laughs> yeah, talking. I, so. I was going to say, like, whoa, we, have, we lose electricity. So I kind of like look out there and see if the dining room lights on. Can you still see the me? Goat, the goat stopped powering the, the generator or whatever. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's called the Pennsylvania North-South. It's um, just a little route that a guy made, and it's most Pennsylvanians do it, or like Pennsylvania cyclists. And um, so it just takes you like straight through the... I think it's like five national forests or something. Pennsylvania is, it has a lot of national forests. It's not like West Virginia, which is all national forests. Like that's all it is. Um, but it's, it, it does have a lot of national forests. So it takes you through a good bit of them. I think all of them could be wrong, but um, 
more state forests. Um, so we just had, so it, it just, it just takes you like straight through the middle. And we did most of that. So we were a little reroute because it was my dad's birthday and he wanted pizza and the pizza <laughs> shop we were supposed to hit in, uh, Shippensburg or something, uh, went somewhere in town. Starts with an S, ends with Berg. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it closed permanently. So we decided to just reroute to Harrisburg. And get picked up there, and there's a pizza shop, or there was a pizza shop, because that one closed too, um, called Need Pizza. Like, need as in need the dough, not... Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was a really Flapper. good one. He's like, we could just reroute over there and then have Bob pick us up in Harrisburg. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we re- <laughs> so we kind of re- so we kind of re- routed over um, to Route 15. I think, yeah, it was Route 15, and then kind of head down to Harrisburg through there. That's one thing I picked up on is your mom is kind of the silent uh, third party support system in the background of all this. I mean, she's picking y'all up at the end of the tour divide and at the end of all these trips and dropping you off. I read one 700 miles from home, I think in DC, and then y'all rode home. Um, Is that something that she's, she's happy to do? And and, yeah, she's got, so we have a menagerie of animals here. So she's like, she prefers, like so we call it uh wife touring versus us touring um and us touring is obviously like if if we don't if we can't find a camp spot we'll just pull from the side of our own camp wife touring means uh we're routing two towns to get a hotel or a nice campground it's very it's very glamping they will have to we stamp at a campground they have to have showers or and or running water um so like that's that's like the difference of camping. So she and uh, so she typically stays home, take care of the animals and house stuff because we have dogs, cats, goats, and it'll just all the fun stuff. Yes. So when when did you get the idea? And whose idea was it? Was it your your idea to do the tour divide? Was it your dad's? It, so it was mine. We did the um, Erie Canal time, time trial and then went down to Florida and did the time trial there or the time trial route there. Cause there's a race, there's like a race across Florida. It's called the cross, cross Florida individual time trial. Sorry, it's not a race, but they have like a group start there. Um, that's in December. We didn't do it last year. Um, or we didn't, we didn't do the group start, but we decided like we were going to go do the route because it was, it was something we've been wanting to do for a while. And it just kind of got kept getting pushed to the bottom of the list. And then dad's like, okay, we're like waiting in line for a COVID test. And he's like, so we have to do a November ride of pain. What do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I don't really feel like doing November ride of pain, but what if we do the ear canal and then head down to Florida and do the cross Florida? And he's like, okay, we can do that. <laughs> so then it like finally got done because I, I, when you I didn't say just, just to fill in the blank there real quick, like you finished Erie canal and then drove straight to Florida. You rode to no, Florida. So we had, we, um, did the Erie canal got picked up in. Yeah. Albany. Sorry. We always do both a little Albany. Always. Just thing we okay. do. Yeah. But, uh, we did that. Got picked up, got home at like, uh, three o'clock in the morning because Mom's like, we could stay here or we could go home. And I'm like, let's go home. We want to go home. <laughs> so we did. We went home. And um, we, hung up the, we hung up the next day. 
one of my friends from one of my friends came over. His name was Nick, and he was riding. So basically, the whole the Erie Canal. We were going to do the time trial starting in Buffalo. They were mom dropped us off, went over and met Nick in Albany. They stayed at a warm showers host. You know what warm showers is? Yeah. Okay. So warm showers host Luke. Um, they dropped off the cars and stuff, and then they were going to slowly ride back and meet us on the Erie Canal. They got to the first night, realized this is freezing cold. We did not feel like doing this. So they just turned around and headed back to Luke's and stayed there. <laughs> and so we were done. And then they drove home and the mom drove us home and Nick stayed the night at our place. And then he was heading to DC or something. So then I had, to, then I had a banquet, um, for 4-H the next day. So the day, so the, like it was two days after, um, it was two days after we got home from the Erie that we went out, we went down to Florida. We made the mistake of deciding that it was going to be a good idea to, uh, or I should say I, because this was my idea to, uh, drive the full 14 hours in one shot. I was like, we could just do it in one shot. I think it'll be a good idea. Mom's Sounds like, reasonable. okay, 14 hours. We can do this. Okay. Uncle Jake calls my dad's best friend. It's like, Hey, you want to? You want to meet up sometime on your way to Florida? Maybe at Benny's Pizza? Sure, we'll meet you. Two hours goes by. Three hours goes by sitting there talking to Jake and Kane and the other kid that was along. And then it's gas stops and it stops for the dogs to go to the bathroom. Yeah, we didn't get down there until like three o'clock in the morning. Because then again, we didn't get, we didn't leave our house until like 10. Yeah. It was we were supposed to leave like at seven, but it didn't happen. Just kept like, yeah. oh, I'm forgetting this, forgot this, forgot that. It's just like chill. And then we're like, this is a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> we did eventually get down there. Ridiculously late. And yeah. How long is that um cross Florida ITT? That's uh, about three hundred again, I think. Okay. So it's like uh west to east or east to west. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like it kind of yeah. goes, kind of goes across, and then does like a little loop, and then goes and then continues across because it goes through the Ocala National Forest or State Forest or something. And the Erie Erie Canal is also about it's like three hundred twenty miles, something like that. That's three hundred and seventy. Seventy. Okay. So yeah, you did. You did. You know, close to seven hundred miles in about eight day time span. And after that, you decided you were ready for the Tour Divide or what? Yes. Yep. Was the Tour Divide something that was already on your radar? Like what? So, yes, it was like, like it was there. It was just kind of be, it was like, it was like a joke. Like, oh, maybe I should do the Divide. And then it suddenly became serious. I'm like, maybe I should do the Divide. Yeah, you want to do the Divide? Yeah, I'm serious. I want to do the Divide. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. So, just kind of like that was the conversation and then it just happened nine months later wow so, so it's interesting I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this i mean like you are very much kind of going on your own journey your dad is obviously supporting you what what was it um that made you feel like you were ready 
to take on the tour divide because you know you're not a newbie at the at, you know at 13 you are not a newbie to the sport you you know the pitfalls you know how hard it is you you know that the great divide mountain bike route is one of the hardest off-road bike routes in the world um <laughs> so i mean what you know what what was it that was inside of you that was like i am ready to do this now i don't really think there was anything saying i'm ready i think it was more like let's do this because I, I, one, one of my, uh, high character traits, high standing character traits is, uh, stubborn. I'm, I'm very stubborn. So it's a good one. Yeah. If it's so applied like, in the right I, way. I, I decided, I'm like, I feel like I should do something besides the canal. Because the other thing was, and this kind of came out in the single tracks article, um, or at least the answers that I sent to him. I don't know if it came out in the article itself, but it was, it was like, like the Erie Canal was great. It was fun. I'm happy about the time that I got, but it wasn't. I didn't feel like it was pushing me to my limit because um, it's like the Erie Canal is just this, it's it's a canal, which means it's kind of, it's pretty flat, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah, we did it in the cold, but it was still just a canal. It's all it's all it really was, um, and honestly, like. When our second ride was on our second family ride was on a canal. Um, it's just like it's it's kind of an easy ride, and I wanted something harder because I knew I could do some. I know I knew I could do harder things. I've done harder things, um, national forests and all of that kind of stuff. Like that stuff is way harder than a canal. Um, maybe it's not as long as, but it's definitely harder than. And um, so we just uh, like I wanted to show that I can, like again, like we didn't really push we didn't like put like really push things out to the public and like advertise my story too much until the Erie Canal um and like so it's the canal and I'm like well now people just know me as the canal like that's all I that's all I did was the canal so I want people to know that I do more than a canal I am for lack of a better term better than a canal I can do more than a canal I, I want to do more than a canal so and the the um the divide seemed to be a good seemed to be a good one. I'm like, well, I will show that I can do the divide because the divide is hard. Or yeah. that now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, even personally my myself, I have not done the Great Divide mountain bike route. Um and and the idea of it, I think as it does with most people, it, it's intimidating. It's it's a big task. It's you know, for you it's forty two days on the bike. Were were you, did you have concerns? Did you have fears? Were you intimidated by it? What what was your personal relationship with how you were feeling going into it? Well, so at first I felt like I was feeling pretty good. I was, but now I was, I kind of got really nervous. I kind of had like a nervous, I guess, nervous breakdown again, lack of a better term. Um, so basically, uh, I was, I went up to Jen's and I'm just like, kind of iffy about it and I'm like I don't know if I want to go away from home this for this long and I kind of just started crying and then Jen's like well maybe you should talk to your mom she's always very supportive of me I, I I love Jen she's awesome but she's like you should like maybe we should just let this play out and we'll have your we'll wait you can stay here and uh we'll just wait for your mom to wonder what's what, what happened to you <laughs> so I just stayed with Jen's for a while and just like just stayed there I don't know why 
I, I don't know why we didn't just text her like immediately be like, I don't know what's going on because then we ended up like almost being late for our flight. But uh, we did. That's what happened. And uh, so mom eventually did come up and she's like, so why, what's wrong with you? Like, why, why did you want to go? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just scared of it. It's intimidating. I feel like this is dad's thing. Well, it wasn't dad's thing. This, this was all my idea. This was all me from the start, but I decided that was, that was another excuse. That was another like thing that just came out. And I'm just like, I needed something to say. Yeah. It's dad's yeah. thing, but it's, it wasn't. Um, so then I just, and then dad came up and he's like, you have to try. We shift bikes and all that kind of stuff. We have to try. I'm like, fine. And he's like, we can just cut out whatever it wants whenever we want to. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe we should do that. I already knew that I wasn't going to cut out in the middle because I started it. So just like, I, but like I, I had to go, I was going to start it and then I was going to finish it. And that's what happened. Do you know what it was that you were afraid of? Do you know what? I, I yeah. don't, I don't really know. I think it was the time. I, again, I think it was the time away. Um, yeah. It's like, I, it, like time is something I always have issues with. Um, I can't ever, I, I, I suck at keeping track of time. I suck at like, working with time, um, time management, like that's, that's, that's something that I'm like, that's one of my fatal flaws is I cannot do time. Um, and like that amount of time, like away from home, away from my responsibilities kind of freaked me out. Um, and again, like the mileage even wasn't really being like 2,900 miles. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. But the time it's going to take is because it's, it's hard dropping everything that you've, that you ever know and just, dropping it for 42 days. Yeah. Just well, now, like, you know, the, I'm gonna, the other, the other way yeah. to look at that now is, you know, you, now you do have a perspective on what it's like to be away from home for 42 days and, and the things that you love to do. And, um, you know, that's going to come with pluses and, and minuses, but you know, you can gain a greater appreciation and understanding for the value of your time and, and the value of, you know, the things that you do at home and the relationships you have at home and all those kinds of things. And, you know, sometimes lessons are, are hard to learn, but, uh, they can still be very valuable. Yep, exactly. It's like one of the things is it's, um, it takes losing something to realize how much it means to you. And it took losing, it took losing what I had to realize how much I love it, to realize how much it's like, I I, I feel like every kid has this, has this dream, has this thought. It's like, when I'm 18, I'm going to pick up, I'm just going to run away. I'm going to go and just live and it's going to be great. But then it's like, once you do it, you're like, I can't do this. Like this just doesn't happen because it's like maybe there's kids. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's kids out there that could do it. Maybe they would. They would leave and they'd just be like, "Yes, this is great. I love this. This is awesome." And um, but I'm not one of them. I'm like I. I know I sound really weird right now, but this is like, like I'm a country girl. We and we stay where we are, not because we're hermits, but just because like this is what we love. This is this is what I love. This is. This, this is the this is the place I call home, and I don't want to pack up. I don't want to dig up my roots and jump into my bike and just run. It doesn't sound weird at all. You know, we're all on our own journey, and I think um, whatever your path in life is, 
finding out what's important to you and, and what you value and being able to maximize those things in your personal life is something that we're all seeking to do. And and some people may get that by leaving home and going right in the tour divide. And that might be what they find peace and solace in. Um, and, and some people can be happy and content where they are. And, and the important thing is that you find what makes you happy. Yep. It's like, I, I love, I, again, so like I, I do have a book coming out soon, hopefully. Um, and it's, it's just on, it's just about the divide. It's about my life and the divide. And then there's like, it's about the two, it's about my two worlds. And there's been a lot of thoughts on identity since I got home and just like, it's like who I am. Obviously, like still a woman, like thing in there, but I'm just like, I, I'm, I don't know who really like I'm trying to figure out who I really am, what I really love and like what the rest of my life is going to look like and like who I'm going to look like. And so I'm just like, I, I've been trying to figure all that out recently. And it it's, it's like, I, <laughs> it's hard for well, my dad right now, but he's like, he's trying to, he's like, so how, so what do you, what do you mean you have two worlds and two two lives? I'm like, well, there's Scar and there's Scarlet. He's like, I give up. <laughs> I don't understand. But it's like again, like the, the, my name is Scarlet. I'm Scarlet Ziegler, Scarlet Meadow Ziegler. And um, oftentimes, once I finally get the point across that my name is Scarlet, I'm not Charlotte. I'm not Skyler. I am Scarlet. And um, then typically the reaction is, oh, that's a pretty name. That's what, that's what I get is, oh, it's a pretty name. It's a lovely name. It's beautiful. Those are things I don't use to describe me um, are pretty. Um, now, if you come to me and you say, oh, your name's Scarlet. What's, that's a unique name. Okay. I, will, I can take a unique name. But it's like... I. And we went out, we have this ride every year that we do, and it's called the Cumbria Miserable with Us. And we do it on a canal um, running from, it's the CNO Canal, runs from Washington, D.C. to Cumberland, Maryland. And it's like, I don't know, what do we do? Like, it's 30 miles out, 30 miles back, split up over three days. So it's like, we go from, we typically go from, um, Point of Rocks to a little campground called Huckleberry Hill, right past uh, Harper's Ferry, and then Huckleberry Hill down past Shepherdtown to Killingsburg Cave. Um, and two of my friends were along, Cole and Evan, and they started calling me Scar. I, I, I don't even really know what sparked this, but that's what they that's what they started calling me. I've had people call me Scar over the years. Um, just like I, I'm fine with it because. Honestly, like, like I told, like I told Cole and he like asked me like, why in the world would you say this? But I'm like, as long as you don't call me sheep, I don't care. That's, <laughs> I, I don't like sheep. <laughs> um, but he's like, okay, fine. But um, they just started calling me Scar. And I kind of realized I really liked that because like the name Scarlet, obviously, like I said, I feel like it implies something like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm just the normal teenage girl, but I'm really not. I feel like Scar kind of embodies that a little more. So um, I say I'm Scar. I try to, if I remember to introduce myself as Scar, I sign myself off as Scar because that's, and like, that's who I really believe that I am. 
And those people I can be scar around, those people I need to remember to be scar let around because she's still there too. Um, I feel like she's my, she's my people face. Um, <laughs> Jen is very, um, well, the, face, so. the cool thing about what you're talking about to me is, is that you're being very thoughtful about, you know, who you are, um, who you want to be, the things that you value in life. And, and, and not only that, but you have, you have the freedom to explore those things and to work through those things. And in my, you know, opinion, um, a person who is thoughtful and intentional with their actions will eventually land where you need to and, and should be. But I think it's when you are a sheep and you are just following the crowd and you're not really thinking for yourself and you're just, yeah, you're just kind of like going along with the flow. I think that's where the real danger lies. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I guess my thought is, as an older person uh, that your father's age, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. You got lots of time to figure it out. And the most important thing, like I said, is, is that you are thinking about it and that you are uh, trying to work through those things. And, and that will only lead you to um, where you want to be ultimately, because you're going to seek out the things that you want. You're going to seek out the people and the experiences that you want in your life. And that road, I think, in my opinion, leads to where you naturally want to want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Tell me about this book. When do you think it might come out? I, I, I read that online. And I thought that was super cool. I'm, I, I'm, I'd be very happy to read it once it, it comes out. Yeah. Okay. So the book has been a work in progress since we got home and this is and this keeps reminding me of the cattle thing we were, we were at one point we were supposed to get cattle and the deadline just kept getting pushed off when are we getting cattle mom we're gonna get them in february we're gonna get them in march we're gonna get them next year i don't know like it just kind of get put got kept getting pushed off and i feel like that's what's happening with the book and i'm trying to be like ah, i don't want you to be pushed off like you're <laughs> important to me i don't want you deadline to be just like going but it was supposed to be uh new year's which it was supposed to be done by New Year's. It actually didn't even start out as a book. It started out as an article. I was supposed to send over to Reshop. And then I got to it being like, I don't know, 10 pages. And I'm like, uh, I think this is a book, not an article, because articles aren't 10 pages long. So I started, I'm like, okay, it's just going to be a book. And it was supposed to be done by um, end of December. And then I had the news call me. Um or dad reached out to our local newspaper and he's like, well, uh, the editor is like, maybe she can write an article and I'll proofread it and then post it. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So that kind of, the book kind of got put on hold for when I was working on that article. And then of course it was Christmas time and we make all our own Christmas presents. So then it just kept getting pushed off. I'm like, February, it'll be done by February. Then we had uh, some talks about my homeschooling. And dad's like, you need to be working on your homeschool workbook and not just typing your book. I'm like, okay, fine, spring. And then it's like, I'm having literally no time to work on it. So it gets pushed off to summer. So I am hoping it will be done by summer. <laughs> um, because the thing is, like, I'm working on it as much as I can, but it's been, like, I'm working on it as much as I can, but uh, it's going to it's gonna probably not be on the top of the priority list until school season lets out, which is whenever I get my 120 days per subject. First 120 hours per subject from my high school credits. So once those are done, I can start. I can start like actually putting some more time into the into the book. And today, 
or no, not today. Yesterday, I finished all journal entries. I got all okay. of them typed up. And it would take me forever because it's it's literally sitting there staring at your book and just copying whatever you wrote down previously. And of course, then I'm like, I don't know what I don't even know what I wrote. Like I can't read my own writing because it's so messy. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like dreading that, and then I got and I kind of slept off uh, eight days before the um, like eight days before the ending. I stopped journaling or like I just it just didn't get done. So I've been having to like remember what I did, which is easy. I remember I remember all the days, but or at least like those eight days. <laughs> But I had to, I had to keep like typing those up, and I finally got them done last night. And I'm like, because in the morning I like finished off the, the second to last journal entry. And I'm like, this is the last day I have to do. Like it's the last day, and it's the last journal entry I have to do. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get nice. it done. Did That's I got exciting. It done. Well, you only get one chance to re- write a book, and uh, I've been on a Hemingway kick lately. For, for the last year, I've been reading a lot of Steinbeck and Hemingway, and I watched a Hemingway documentary, um, and, and he wrote um, 39 different endings to The Sun Also Rises. <laughs> and, you know, it, books are hard, you know. Book, books yeah. are not easy to write. That's, you know, much like The Great Divide, that is a huge undertaking and, and, yeah. and will be a huge accomplishment. So, um, yeah, yeah. You, it'll be done when it's done. That's, that's when the yeah. books get done. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I, I, it's fun. I, I do like English. It's like I, my, top, my top few subjects are like science. That's top. I'm vaguely good at art. Social studies is easy this year because it's anthropology, which is pretty much uh, literal, like literally social sciences. Um, and then it's English. And like English comes naturally. I always love reading. Um, like book reports can get a little, it's like, oh, I have to do another one. But some, but like whenever I'm doing like a personal story or whatever, I'm like, oh, this is great. I, I love, I love, I love retyping these things. I love writing these things. So um, like it's, it's not really a big, I gotta work on this now. I was like, I, I always, I always do love English, just the subject itself, and the book falls under English, so I'm like, we're good. Yeah, that's super cool. Here's a question for you: What would you tell the Charlotte or Scar, whichever one, uh, before the tour divide? Now that you've completed it, what what's one thing that you would tell? Pre tour divide, Charlotte or Scarlet. I just did it. I screwed up your name. <laughs> it's okay. I had You're the one who put that in my head. What? Yeah, it's okay. I had a gymnastics instructor that for two years she called me Skylar, but uh, I didn't know anything about it because I was afraid of her. Like everybody else was afraid of her too. Like she was intimidating. So, but like she called me Skylar the entire time. Even though like everybody else called me Scarlet, they all got it, but she called me Skylar, <laughs> so it doesn't really bother me. I think uh, gymnastic teachers are always intimidating. I think that's like a requirement <laughs> for being a gymnastics teacher. Yes. So, what would you tell uh, her? What's a piece of advice you would give to her that you wish you had when you went into it? Uh. Probably something along the lines of like, uh, bring an extra charging cord, 
uh, remember where you put your knife because I continued to lose my knife in places. I just like put it in a random, put it in a random spot. Uh, bring your damn down pants and uh, bring down booties. His dad <laughs> had previously made those and like actually out of my old down coats that I would grow out of. Um, and like, he always liked them. And I'm like, I want one of these. And then I was so unhappy that I didn't bring enough warm stuff um, along because it got so cold. And of course it's August. So we're just like, it's August. We're good. <laughs> and then yeah. we're like freezing our butts off. Like, Oh, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh? What about what's next? Um, obviously, like you said, the di- excuse me, uh, the divide left uh, a, a, was a huge, impactful event in your life. Have you started to think about a, a potential next bike thing? Are you putting it on hold? Yes. Where, where are you so at with we that? We are. Um, we're planning on doing a ride over in the UK. Um, overseeing restrap and meeting the people over there we did a ride this past year 2022 so our opening ride was with um the guy named jamie he's a restrap ambassador and lives in france but he's scott he's scottish so he's a scottish man writing for an english company and living in france perfect you can keep that straight (laughs) 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 but um we even wanted to do another ride with them because like we had so much fun so possibly we'll invite him and see if he wants to come and ride at least part of it with us. But we're going to start from London and ride up to Leeds and see the re- meet the restrap team. And then we're going to head up to Ireland or something. And then swing down to the Isle, the Isles of Eag or the Islands of Eag um, that mom wants to see. And then head back to London and get another flight home. So I'll just like, yeah. it probably won't be too long just because, like, again, requirements at home. So we, w- we won't be able to take up, like, too much time. But uh, then... That's cool. So, yeah, there's that. We're planning on that. We're planning on... There should be a... I feel like there's a list here of what we had done previously. Yeah, because I don't really remember. I don't know. It's here, it's here somewhere. <laughs> but the um, I guess the overarching idea is that you're not done with bikes. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, so it's that gonna... one. The other big one what that I can remember was um <clears throat> solo CNL. So again, it's another canal. I know this is like kind of going against what I previously said, but uh um we're gonna I'm gonna try to do it solo, like just just me. Yeah. Um my original thought was like, I wanna do the Trans Am solo. And then dad's like, I would have to be a side wagon for you. And I'm like, eh. Taking away from the solo part of the trip, if you have a side wagon. So he's like, he's like, I can't just sit here and like let you go off across the country. I'm like, I could ride from <laughs> my aunt's house to Nick's house and then back home. He's like, no. Because my aunt lives across the country in um, California. Nick, who did the, uh, who's with mom on the uh, Erie Canal route, now lives in Boulder, Colorado. And then we obviously live in Pennsylvania. So my thought process is I could just fly out to Aunt Annie's, ride to uh, Nick's house, and then just ride home. So maybe it's not like <laughs> the exact Trans Am route, but it's a Trans Am going across America. Yeah, it's not the official uh, route, but it is yeah, across America. Exactly. But uh, yeah. Dad's like, no. I'm like, Ugh. 
but whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll wait a couple. Years. I'll like maybe maybe next year I'll do. Maybe next year we'll do that. Maybe I can build the trust this year that I can. Yes, I can handle that alone. And I don't know. Maybe somebody like meets me in Colorado or something. Yeah, yeah, that like, seems reasonable. Like, you gotta oh, you gotta work you up to it. Are you living? Yes. Okay, you're good. But um, <laughs> so we're gonna do, so we are gonna do the canal. This is the canal that this is the canal we've done many like many many times this is definitely a big this is a big stable for us um <clears throat> it's usually as often used as a training ride we just like usually it's often an opening ride too so like first ride of the year that we do coming off of winter um just because it's out there it's not hard it's full towns all that kind of stuff so we end up it's a lot of times use it for a family ride so i'm going to try to do that one solo um because like i said we know all the we know the whole trail we know all the we know all the towns <laughs> So it's like that one would be an easier, but that one runs from, um, it's the CNO Canal Gap Trail, which is another rail, rail trail. Uh, the CNO runs from uh, DC to Cumberland and then it connects to the Gap Trail and the Gap Trail is Cumberland to Pittsburgh. So yeah. And so I would do that and like do a yoga on that. They pick up okay. D- That's still epic. I mean, Again, you're one of, so there's Eden Tarji, I, man, I can't remember his last name, but Eden, he's been on the podcast. He's 13 and he's done a couple solo self-supported, uh, trips. I think you and him are the only ones in the entire world that I know of. So it's, it's, you know, it's, I know it's normal to you and I know it's, it's just become a progression of, of, of your life and what you've been exposed to, which is really neat, but Um, I'm really, I'm really glad to get a chance to talk to you and share your story because I mean, I'm a father of a 13 year old and what you're doing, um, is, is unique and it is really cool. And it is cool to see somebody who is, um, capable and inspired to go and and do these types of rides. And yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, um, I appreciate you sharing your story. I was uh, really excited to talk to you. I was so excited I couldn't fall asleep last night. I was like just <laughs> thinking about it's. I'm, I'm honest. I like I didn't get much sleep last night. I was just like laying in bed thinking about you know all the things we might talk about, and yeah. I was excited to talk to you. Awesome. Well, yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to talking to you too. So you inspired yeah. me to like actually read my journal and not just like type it and actually like. Like when you're typing a journal again, you know, you have no idea what you're reading. Yeah. Like I could be talk- talking about a bear attack and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Just like bear attack head on. <laughs> so now I'm just, but I, re- I read it. I'm like, it's actually pretty interesting. Like, lo- like looking back at the pre great divide, uh, pre great divide, uh, life, like life on the divide, like that, that. That's interesting. Like kind of looking back at all of that. So I'm really glad. Oh, for sure. I'm really glad you you inspired me to do that. Awesome. Uh, well, I can guarantee you, there's going to be a lot of people that are definitely interested to read your book. So um, yes, no I've pressure to finish it anytime. Uh, you know, too soon. Take your time with <laughs> it. You know, but um, whenever it's done, uh, you know, let me know. I definitely like to promote it on the show and uh, get help get the word out there. And awesome. I think well, I yeah. think you and I should chat again someday. It sounds like you're going to do a lot of cool things, so maybe we can keep in touch and have you back on the podcast one day. Ah, sounds good. Yeah, I'm trying to keep a track of everybody who's like emailed me 
or um, commented or like said, I'm really excited or whatever. So I can like, remember to send them a copy. Smart. So that way. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I should be making a list of these things. I don't, but <laughs> that is, got, it's on the right. You got a lot on your plate. Definitely, you will definitely make the list. Guarantee okay, on that. Good. So you get an autographed copy. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, is uh, your dad around? I th- yes, he is. All right. He's been, I... he's, been, he's been sitting out of picture <laughs> listening. Oh, he's there. He's listening the whole yes. time, huh? <laughs> he's been creeping on our conversation. Yes. Hey, Scarlett, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again. It was good talking to you, too. Thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, not too much. Not too much. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of? Uh, so you were you were listening to the interview that that we had. Uh, how do you think it went? How did Scarlett do? Oh, it's like it's totally Scarlett. Like uh, you got one hundred percent Scarlett. You know, and that's yeah. all that uh, I think. That's all that uh, you can ever ask for is like somebody just being authentically them. Um, and that's what it, you know. That's to me like what I'm always encouraging when she's doing anything. Um, so I was, yeah, no, I was really, I'm like, I'm always stoked. Scarlett has, um, so I was a a singer songwriter for a lot of years and like mostly just up and down the East coast would like tour me and uh, I would take a drummer along and I would often get accused of like talking too much during, (laughs) during sets. Cause I'd like, I don't know, sometimes you just don't necessarily feel like playing music. You know what I mean? Like you're playing the same shit over and over and uh right. i would have like i remember the one time this bar owner walked up in the middle of the set he's like walked up he's like uh i'm paying you to play music not not talk like, oh <laughs> yeah i'm like well i think some people love what i'm doing but maybe nobody did i don't know but her little rambles and her little you know her little rabbit trails uh it's just it's so authentic and so good so yeah it's uh i i i always like hearing scarlet's uh perspective on um, just, I mean, her, her own perception of what, what we have here. And, uh, so I guess to some degree, what is, has been created. Um, and, and it also is like a little insight of like, maybe what's working, what isn't working, like what does she really feel ownership of and what does she maybe not, or, or, um, you know, it's always that balance of like, for me anyway, trying to figure out if, um, if I'm supporting her or if I am pushing her and like, I don't, I don't want to be like, there always, there is always a time I think as a parent that you have to kind of push your kids and it's like, Hey, it's time to, to, to step up here. This isn't necessarily fun, but this is what we have to do because of, you know, whatever societal norm or there's chores to get done. If you want to have, you know, animals and pets, there's responsibilities but then there's also like, we can push as a parent, we can push them to be like us or like to want to do our hobbies and cycling's really difficult that I'm, you know, I'm constantly trying to monitor my own balance with that, with her, because I, I want her to love it. You know, I want her to just love what she's doing. And, um, and if she's not feeling like she is, then that's a, that wouldn't be what I want for her. Like, I just want her to be herself, you know? So yeah, no, it was good. It's always fun to listen in. I, I get a kick out of her. I just think she's the best. So. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome, man. I mean, I, I was, I was curious to get your perspective on, I mean, she is clearly a, a very mature, very emotionally mature, very 
thoughtful and insightful person at a very, very young age. Um, it really speaks to, I think, the experiences that y'all have allowed her to be exposed to. Um, are How aware are you of how unique she is? Because, you know, she doesn't realize how unique she is and what she's doing is unique because, you know, for lack of a better word, there's a bubble. You know, y'all live yeah. on, it sounds like a farm of sorts and she's homeschooled yeah, yeah. and uh, doesn't have that comparison that, that can be a thief, right? That when we compare ourselves to the other, it can, it can rob us of so much. And she's not right. robbed of that. She's free to explore and and be whoever she wants to be, which is is really amazing. How aware of you of how unique and, and, and special that she is? Uh, I, I think I, I think I am. Um, I, you know, like I said, like running the BMX track and um, I, I don't know, even like the touring that I did as a musician and travel, I mean, it's mostly bars and all of that. But um, uh, I also would stay with all kinds of people. You meet all these kids. And I, I mean, I'm, I was constantly reminded of like, well, most, you know, 13 year olds are, you know, all through her life. It's like, oh my God, like uh, most 10 year olds are not doing what she's doing, but also just the thinking of how she's thinking and, and seeing life. And, and um, I do try to check in with her and we have these conversations because I think our emotions and her emotions, like her being very mature she's taking in so much. And I know like after the divide, um, you know, a lot of emotional things were happening in our, not only in our household, but then also individually with, um, you know, post-adventure uh, depression. And, and uh, I mean, it was just really wild. I, I learned so much and I'm going through a lot, but then I'm also trying to make sure that I'm checking in with her um, because that's been a process and a, and a, and a, a part of our lives together, especially her and I, um, because I recognize that she doesn't necessarily have, um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, she does have lots of friends, but yet friends her age aren't connecting, aren't connecting on the same kind of level because she's so emotionally aware of what's happening and in, in her own. But uh, Scarlett does lots of like, I mean, she does some, some journaling, but she does a lot of songwriting. Like she's very musical, loves to, um, she plays piano, she plays harp, she plays guitar. And then, you know, I think just over the years, like watching, I always had pieces of paper laying all over the house and guitars laying. And there was, all, I'm, I still do, uh, but not as much, but her growing up, just watching me like create songs and like, that was always an outlet. And now I'm watching her use the same thing. Um, but it's like, who else is doing this stuff? You know, kids aren't doing this stuff. And, um, but I, I think that that's, I think it helps her. And I think she's always growing and, um, and, and she's been such an inspiration to, uh, I get this a lot from friends. Like she inspires parents so much that they're like i i want not that they want their kid to be just like scarlet but they recognize like her emotional awareness and that i think sometimes we set a standard and we say well kids are just kids and they operate on this level you know it's it's right here and and we almost put a cap on it not realizing that that kids and we all can we all like i don't know what do they say like we operate on like 10 percent of our brain or something like we operate on such a low level as basic everyday humans. Um, 
And uh, so I, I just, I, I definitely think that, I think that Scarlett's super, super special. I think that she has so much to offer. And again, you know, it's the same with like my love of cycling. I try really hard to not promote her, like quote unquote, promote her in like a selfish thing of like, look at, look at what I did. Look, you know, look what, look what my kid's doing or whatever. But, but we try to channel it through encouragement and through inspiration so that um, her story can get out there naturally, but um, that we can hopefully encourage other people and not promote competition, but promote, you know, just love of learning, love of life, love of, uh, you know, connecting with ourselves, you know? Yeah. I didn't mention this in the email, but uh, another ulterior motive for interviewing y'all separately was I think there's value on relying on yourself and not having maybe your dad sitting next to you to to like look over and get the answer from, you know, and not that I was trying to put her in the hot seat, but no, um, it's perfect. It's so good. I mean, I I was stoked that that was how you approached it because Scarlett's really independent. And, um, that she mentioned, and that's like, I was kind of sitting off and like, I was working, actually I was working on a scheduling thing. Um, so I wanted to like, I think, think it's so cool to like, listen to her. Like I'm fascinated with Scarlett, you know what I mean? Like yeah. big supporter. Um, but I love that that's how you did it. And I love because she, as she was mentioning about like this idea, like her interest in solo riding, going out all by herself and, I've been trying to navigate that, you know, like, I don't know what, what does that really look like and how does that feel for me? And, and, uh, what are the, I guess like really what are the real dangers and then what's just, are we creating? And, um, then there's always that thing, like you just can't protect, even if I'm along on a ride, like, uh, I can't protect her from everything. Um, but I love the fact that you did the interview with her totally separate because I, that's Scarlett. Like she's a hundred percent like a solo kid, you know? Well, I mean, we're talking about, you know, being self-reliant and self-supported. And so for me, it does feel appropriate to talk to that person individually and, and get uh, their individual story. Let's, yeah. before we skip over this, I want, because I think this is important. We're talking about Scarlett at, at now 14, a young lady potentially going on a riding solo self-supported. At some point, she's going to. I mean, it's it's clear right. whether it's this year or next year or whatever. Yeah. What are some of the conversations you're having with her or with yourself about what is appropriate, what is, you know, quote unquote, safe? And, and obviously, just from your perspective and knowing your own daughter. Um. So my... For, for myself, I, my, this is probably where like the, the sense of, of average or normalcy, uh, I'm tipped to a certain direction because we've, we have done so much travel by bicycle and ended up in really odd positions. Um, but also my own, uh, my own lifestyle as a musician, I was always put into really weird situations, you know, uh, Anytime you're at a bar at like two o'clock in the morning, it's bound to be something bizarre that could happen, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, uh, maybe, maybe that's, uh, but my, my, I don't know that I really, I don't have any doubts in Scarlet. Um, that's definitely not it. The biggest, um, I would say fear that I have or like, like trying to mitigate is, um, I'm not real big on social media. I'm not real big on, 
that whole thing. I just never really was. We're trying to, we're trying to like, um, tell our story and, and keep people up to date just because like we've had so many people asking about it. Like, and they're, and they're, I don't know if I want to use the term living vicariously, but, um, you almost get that sense, you know, like people are they're they're really, but they're also getting um, ideas that how they can apply that to their own family dynamic. Maybe That's what I was thinking. It's, it's planting seeds, right? Like, you yeah. don't, that, and I think about the podcast is like, I, you just put it out there and you're just planting a lot of seeds and you don't know what those seeds can maybe one day be. And so right. I agree with you, like social media shouldn't be like the goal, but it can be a vehicle to plant seeds and inspire others. And definitely. that's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but with that becomes more of an awareness of like people then know what you're doing. So like take, for instance, the solo, like her going out it, it, as that's, if that is promoted heavily, uh, you have more of a potential for the person with ill intent to actually know how to locate like it's 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 and i hate that i even have to think about this but this is the kind of things that go through my brain we we love the idea of dot watching and we do it a little bit but like we'll put out to like my family and we put it out to even like on public um hey check out what scarlet's doing like we're riding you know i think we did it with the skyline drive like people could follow along and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um and i a lot of a lot more people than i expected were like they were pretty stoked on that. They were like, oh, like, you guys are here. And they would send me a little text message or, um, and with that is, is that side of it, which is positive, positive feedback and also a feeling of connectedness. So I know on the, on the divide, um, when we had days where we couldn't interact with anyone else due to cell service or whatever that may be, um, it was difficult. Like after a couple of days, you're like, oh, wow, like we are way out here and we saw some people, but none of our people, you know, like you didn't, didn't get to talk to, you know, for Scarlett, it's like grandma and pop pop or her mom or whatever. Um, and so there's these positive things to it that you're feeling on your network and you're feeling connected to some degree. And I love that part of it. Then there's also the dangers of like, there are people with ill intent and they can literally <laughs> find find your exact location, you know, um, is that, is that, uh, you know, are there statistics showing anything? I, I really have no idea that, that this has happened or whatever, but it's as a parent, like I think of this, of this stuff, you know, um, and, and I also don't really buy into the whole idea that like, we need to use social media to like tell everybody what we've ate today and what we're you know doing every yeah, second. Sure. So there's a balance in all of that. And, and, um, but that's probably the biggest one. It's like, uh, I, I, I don't personally, I've had a really great life and I haven't had a whole lot of really bad experiences, um, with, you know, people like, I don't know, doing anything to me or seeking me out to let, you know, I've never camped and had somebody like run through the campground and like slash my tent or, you know, try to stab me or something. Um, yeah. and yet, and yet, uh, you know, things can definitely, I guess things can happen. You, you do hear some stories, you know, the, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but, um, several, uh, several, I guess it was months ago. Maybe it's been a year now. Uh, but the guy's been touring uh, a, a ton and, uh, this was on the Radivist, um, cause he's written articles and stuff and he got jumped. He was in Mexico, but got like, literally like guys were, you know, kind of waiting at this dirt road and jumped him and, 
you know, I think they, I think they knocked him out. Like they didn't stab him or nothing, but they stole everything he had. And then he's got to like rebuild all this, you know, try to get back home or figure out what he's doing. Um, so it does happen. There are dangers out there and I try not to focus on those things, but try to like, I do try to, uh, I guess be aware of it and not be stupid about the whole thing, you know? So the most dangerous thing she can probably do is get her driver's license, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if we're talking about statistics, that is the oh, right, right. most dangerous thing she could possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is they say that, you know, uh, the majority of accidents, car accidents is what the statistic was, happen within five miles of your home. Obviously, it's where you drive the most. It's also the most familiar. So, like, yeah. when she's out, you let your guard bike, down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then she's out riding her bike all the time and like she rides to the library and to the grocery store and to friends' houses and just goes on bike rides. And it's like we think of like all of our neighbors coming home from work and they're in that statistic now. And, um, you know, it, like anything could happen at this point. You know, anything can happen at any time. We can't keep our kids totally safe. And, and, and that idea of like living in a bubble, like it just doesn't happen. Um, but, um, yeah, but then as a as a parent, you just you can also like let your <laughs> imagination go crazy sometimes. Oh, no, for too. <laughs> sure. I have some advice or thoughts. You didn't ask for it, but here it comes. I'm going to mansplain for a second. Oh, good. Uh, good. Pepper Cook. Um, I don't know if you know her. Um, she lives up in Alaska now, but she's uh, she she hasn't been doing as much as actively in terms of like promoting her cycle tours, but she used to do a lot of it. And, um, she shared a story on this podcast. One time she was staying, I don't remember where, but it was at some campsite and she was by herself and she posted on social media, you know, where she was like, Oh, look at this cool place I'm at. And, um, without any warning or anything, a, a, a guy came up with some beer and knocked on her tent and, wanted to hang out, you know, and, and it was after that, that she realized don't post until afterwards, you know, yeah, until you're already yeah, gone. And yeah. I think that's great advice. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the dot watching, that's a, that's a great, you know, that device is so, uh, liberating in that, especially from a parent, like you can watch, you can yep. follow along, you right. need to know where she is, and she can push that SOS button at any second. And my thought is, is like, I've never been in a situation either. I did have one encounter at 2 a.m. when I was on a bike trip, and a guy, I was stopped at a church to get water, and a cowboy that was coming home from the bar, you know, he like stopped and like, what are you doing here? And, you know, yeah. It was a little tense for a second, but, you know, I kind of explained and, but my thought is always like, listen, buddy, I pay a lot of money for this little device. I push this red button and every freaking cop, sheriff, ambulance, and anybody else is going to be here within minutes. And not only that, but everybody knows exactly where I'm at right now. So where do you want to go with this? You know, right, and right. I feel like just having that in, if you ever got to that point, I feel like just having that device really is is liberating and and yeah. so yeah my advice is like i don't know i mean obviously whenever it is appropriate um for her to go and do a solo trip just don't share your location yeah. uh when you're yeah. there and then and then it is i think it is valuable for you know the greater good of of what 
you know, me and probably you, it's not, I mean, you organize events and try to introduce people to cycling and the outdoors is like, yeah, we want to share these stories. We want to inspire people. We want to get young people out there and, and, and on their bikes and, and doing incredible things. Just share it afterwards. You know, you don't have to yeah. share it when you're, when you're there. Right. I've always felt like also, you know, I, when I'm on a trip, usually the last thing I want to do is engage with social media oh, like that's yeah, right, right. not what i'm there to do and so yeah. i'll take pictures and i'll you know remember it and then i just share it afterwards so yeah. anyway those are some of my unsolicited thoughts no that's yeah that's that's been that's definitely been like kind of where i've gone with it you know it's like let's i i i this will be the year i think unless you know something drastic happens with but scarlet's been really talking about it and and um that's been a, a topic that keeps coming up and I just think, I mean, cycle touring has been such a positive um, part of our lives. And so I know that she feels super comfortable in that realm. You know what I mean? Um, so it yeah, makes absolutely. sense to me why she wants to explore this idea of independence within that and within that kind of uh, uh placement in 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 or, or um activity of what we've what we've been doing because it's not anything new it isn't like she's going to go learn how to sail by herself you know on a, and and go on a trip like this is something she feels really comfortable in and in a world that she's just grown up in so um yeah i think that's I, I an guess. important perspective that she is on you know she has more experience at her young age than you know a lot of people my age or your age might have you know and that's an important yeah. perspective to keep in mind yeah she might only be 14 years old but if you started when you're two there is a natural progression and she has all that information. She has all those, essentially an arsenal of a toolkit that she yep. can draw from when she goes out on herself. You're not sending her out all willy nilly to go ride exactly. her bike. Like, yeah. I think that's usually what happens when people are negative on this kind of stuff is that they're applying it to their own perception or their own, their own little perspective. So, you know, the, the parent that has a 13 year old that, you know, whatever, just plays video games. And then they go, wait a minute, you know, I would never send my kid out. Like, well, I would never send your kid out either. You know? <laughs> like that's, that would be ludicrous, you know? Um, yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so we, we were, I we wouldn't were, send your kid out either. That's so good. <laughs> we were talking about this uh, when we were on the great divide, because we had a, a number of people uh, that were, they were, genuinely concerned they were trying to be very supportive but that would voice concern scarlet and i would like uh you know see them at a, at a campground or at a you know some place that we're resupplying and typically it was like an older gentleman or a group of older gentlemen uh i was surprised how many retired um it's a uh, retired honestly retired white men <laughs> seem to like be yeah. like hey this is the time to go do this thing you know yeah. um but they had all this gear, you know, they have like panniers on and they're like, they're in it, right? They've got all this and we roll in and we've got a really, really streamlined system because uh, we don't carry anything extra. And But we also know, like we've already done four tours leading up to the divide. We know our pack system. We know how much food we can carry. Like we did our research and we have a longer history of like touring, you know, um, but they were really concerned about like, or are we carrying enough water? And do we know? But what they were covering, like, let's just say a 60 mile stretch, 
would take them X amount of time, but it only took us half of that, you know? So remember the, the one stretch that we, that we did, this guy did not want to let us leave. Like he was, he was like trying to convince me to like camp with him and, you know, cause he felt he could carry even water for us. And, and, um, and I was like, no, I think we're good, man. Like, I mean, it's a 70, or I think it was, yeah, I think it was like 70 mile stretch, but it was over this one pass we did it within one day, but it took him, he later uh, texted me when he knew that we were safe and he texted me, it took him three days. Yeah. So, you know, he's That's a going different experience. This, totally different. Totally. different. So we had to carry water for one day. He was trying to carry water for three days. And yeah, from his perspective, uh, we didn't have near enough, <laughs> you know, um, cause we didn't, we couldn't carry water for three days up over that thing, but it didn't take us that kind of time. So, um, I think of that with, with all of this kind of stuff, like when people are commenting maybe on an internet poster, uh, or, or just talking in general, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Um, you know, Scarlett didn't come into this by accident. Um, you and your wife seem to be living a very intentional lifestyle. Um, she's homeschooled, all this stuff. Um, uh, can you speak a little bit to your, your motivation uh, for, for raising Scarlett homeschooled and for exposing her to these types of activities from a young age? Yeah. Um, so when, when we found out that uh, we were going to have a child, um, I mean, I think I overthink everything. Like that's just how I operate, you know? So um, I, I really wanted to make sure that like from the very beginning, like what are the overarching goals? And one of the biggest things for me is, is time spent, like quality family time. And I didn't grow up with um, uh, a lot of money. Like we were really poor growing up, but that was really stressed in my household. And so that's, that's been a, a big part of my life. Um, but also my mom always fostered this idea that we should like learning is an everyday ongoing, uh, process, like having that desire to learn new things and, and, um, and that we can, like we can approach life with a constant, uh, love of learning and wanting to make, and, it, and it's very experiential. Um, so, going into now I'm now I'm the parent when Scarlett was born uh I wanted to I wanted to try to foster that and uh, I think Scarlett like kind of brought this up of um when she was you know two years old I realized that uh we weren't what activities we were doing uh wasn't feeling very family-based like we would go on bike rides maybe but I would just take Scarlett in like a little backpack or you know when she got to a bike seat I could put her in that but maybe my wife wouldn't go or it was, it was, it didn't, I don't know. It just seemed like my thing. And then I would take her, I was always going to skate parks and spots and like riding and I would take Scarlett, but you know, she's literally just sitting somewhere. I'm like, I'll go over here and ride this thing and go back and check on her. And, and uh yeah, it was just felt disconnected. And yet here's this activity and this thing that like I kept thinking could be really wonderful, you know? Um So uh, bike touring when I saw it, when I, I remember seeing a picture, it was just this couple and they had panniers. They were like in their shorty shorts. It was like from the 1970s or something. And I'm like, that looks awful. But, uh, that's what I, that makes sense. Like that, 
all of a sudden it's got the travel thing and it's got experiences that that are spontaneous but you can also plan your experiences by you know the area or whatever um and that totally made sense so um but that also crosses over into everything so when even before scarlet was what we would consider school age i was already homeschooling scarlet like i started off right away with a, a semi-structure, um, Scarlett responds well to a structure. She likes having a bit of a structure in her life. And then that adapts, you know, that has to, as we, as she's developed more of a, um, attention span or, you know, I mean, just as we're growing and, and getting older, we're, we're changing. So it isn't like you set a structure and she stays with that her whole life, but she likes to know that, okay, I'm going to come back to this and, and, and uh, at this time, I like to do this. And then it's seasonal also. She's like very, like whenever it comes to like traditions in our family, Scarlett's always the one like, well, this is what we do Christmas time. This is what we has to be done. This is, she, she really adheres to that. Um, so I started that, like even kind of watching that when she was really little, uh, began incorporating some like, I guess I'd say learning times, but they were very fluid, you know, because I didn't want it to be like, I, I guess I felt like the American way of learning through public schools a lot of times is all of a sudden the bell rings and now it's learning time. This is when you learn. And when the bell rings again, you're done learning. And and even if it's a subconscious thing, I just question whether that's A, healthy and be like, where does that leave us when we graduate, right? Like, are we just done learning? Are we done ex- really experiencing uh, life? And um, so I just didn't want that. I, I wanted I wanted Scarlett to, and like the same with, we do ease off in the summertime with uh, book work, I would say, you know, the things yeah. that are required by our state. Um, but the learning side of it, I mean, we're still taking trips and we're, and that's why we still take trips during our quote unquote school year too. Like I just want it to be a constant fluid thing of, of learning happens every day. Learning happens every moment. And some learning is conscious, you know, some learning is I'm reading this thing uh, or, or I'm experiencing, uh, you know, a canal for her. She loves the, the canal systems and like the stories with those you know, the people that helped to build them and why were they built and what was going on behind the scenes, you know, maybe politically or just uh, socially even uh, that was driving the need for these for these uh, ways of, of transportation and all that. Um, but as as she's experiencing this stuff, like we're, we're learning very consciously. But then there's also that, you know, uh, I guess it's implicit learning where kind of like riding a bike like your brain's learning but you don't even realize that you know you're leaning and balancing and learning how to make all this stuff function you know those two things i just think a lot of times um the way that the american uh education system has become has has made has made you know the the conscious style of learning so like i don't know defined or so like now it is now it's not and i don't know that uh, I just didn't want that for Scarlett. Like, I just wanted her to love it, you know? Yeah, I couldn't not agree more. I'm curious if you've read the book Last Child in the Woods. Oh, yeah, uh, by, yeah. 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 So 
for people listening, I highly recommend if you have children to uh, read that book. And uh, what Flint is talking about is is covered in there. And we're really, you know, we're growing up and you and I are about the same age, almost identical um, right. in age. So we grew up in a time where, you know, you could just get on your BMX bike and ride around. And I mean, my parents wouldn't know where I was the entire day. I was just, I was just gone exploring on my bike. And now everything is so much more rigid. The playgrounds, I, I actually took a picture and posted on my personal Instagram, but like you go to the playground and there's just a list of rules that you have yeah. to adhere to. Yeah. And, you know, you can't go play in your neighbor's tree because he'll sue you if you like break a limb or something. And, yeah. um, and, and what it really touches on is, is how is that having a negative impact on our child's development on, even their fine motor skills, as you touched on with learning to balance a bike and and process information quickly as you're riding your bike and a rocks in the road or something happens and you need to react to that. We're, we're, we're taking those opportunities of, of learning uh, both physically and mentally away from our children. And I couldn't help but be thinking of this book while I was talking to Scarlett on yeah. she is a perfect example of what happens when we give our children unstructured learning and immersive learning opportunities um i mean i'm not an educator but i would i would say that you could put charlotte scarlet got uh she said charlotte and now i'm it's like yeah. in my head uh scarlet uh that you could put her uh, up against even my own 13-year-old child, I only have her half the time, so it's, I'm going to blame her mom. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you, I, I think you put her up, and you, what you're seeing is um, a young lady who is very mature, uh, emotionally, physically, and capable, and thoughtful, and insightful, and confident in herself, and, and all these things. And you're talking to a, a person. You're talking to somebody uh. who... Um, is speaking from their own experiences in life that she can draw from. It's not something she read in a book. It's not something her mommy and daddy taught her. She's right. talking to me as a person who knows what she's talking about because she has had the experiences and the opportunity to do yeah, that, which is for sure awesome. I, I am always, I always love hearing Scarlett talk to adults. Like that was the other thing of like wanting to listen uh, to, to, uh, to, a, uh, at least to some degree, um, with this interview, because it's like hearing her talk. And as she mentioned, uh, Jen, which like, she calls her her boss. Like she's been working up at this goat farm and they milk goats. Her boss, Jen has a, uh, has a herd of goats. They milk them. And then Jen makes cheese, uh, goat cheese and sells it at farmers. She's like, she's amazing. Like Jen just, she's this, um, super independent woman that, has her own business. Like, I mean, I can't talk more highly of Jen and, and, but Jen also just lets Scarlett be Scarlett, you know? And, um, but when I hear Scarlett talking to Jen, it's like, they're just having these adult, like Jen doesn't ever talk, you know, like kid talk or talk, you know, it's just, it's just like she talks to everybody else, you know? And, uh, Scarlett's, uh, her interaction with adults, I always, I, I get a kick out of because I'm actually seeing her, and she's, I guess, to some degree, it's like, well, I, I recognize that she is a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid. Um, but I love hearing her like her little stories. And, and yeah, like you said, she has real world experiences that 
are really kind of wild. Um, and then she ties them in really well. Sometimes she gets really wordy, but I do too. So I, I'll take full credit for that. <laughs> so do I. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, like listening to her, like be able to bring those, like sometimes I'll be like, where is she going with that? And then it does, it comes back to the point. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, this, this is how it works. You know, I noticed She's, that too. She did a good job of, uh, of tying, tying her experiences in, you know, and, and, yeah, and yeah. having a direction with it and really impressive. So, um, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, Scarlett shared some personal things about after the tour divide. I'm curious, one, how comfortable you are with that stuff actually being out uh, in the public domain because we can edit this. And and then also I wanted to give you a chance to share your own, uh, yeah, experiences with that to the degree that you, you wanted to. Yeah. I, um, it is like, in my opinion, like that, that's exactly what's on Scarlett's mind. So I don't, I almost, I, I guess I tend to approach that stuff and I'm like, um, I, 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 it's, it's truth to her perception, how she sees what's, what's happened since then. And, um, I definitely don't, it's not like I'm not, not embarrassed by it or I'm not, uh, I'm not anything like it's hard sometimes to hear as a parent because, because, um, maybe some of what she's feeling, uh, isn't how, um, or, or, or how she saw what happened isn't necessarily hundred percent true. It was filtered through her, um, her own, um, somewhat limited, you know, ways of, of seeing just because we don't not, we're not with each other hundred percent of the time. Um, but, uh, at the same time, like, that is to me healthy and good. I, when Scarlett was born and I've talked to her about this a ton, when Scarlett was born, the, the, the big thing, and I remember holding her, um, we are like in, still in the hospital and it was, um, I like had this little, this little thought of like, I want to be authentic to this, you know, to this person. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in as being a parent and, uh, I want to be, I want to be authentic and, and she should see every part of me. Like I didn't want to hide stuff. And yeah. over the years, um, I, I really tried my best to be that. And she saw my faults. She saw like, I mean, she saw so much and, and I, you know, sometimes I, like after what happened, it's like, you know, that, like I would be, I, I ended up stopping, uh, I, I quit drinking, uh, I think three years ago now and had quite a relationship with alcohol, like playing music and just that whole thing. Um, there were times of like, oh man, I can't believe that, you know, Scarlett saw that part, you know, that, that happened. And then I would remind myself, well, this is like, truly that is me though. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I did that. Like that was, and it was also sobering and it would help bring me back sometimes too of like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm bringing her along, like touring as a musician, I would often bring Scarlett with me. Um, and, uh, that had its ups and downs, but part of that was just like, I wanted her to see everything, but it also, it was also a good, uh, I don't know what the term would be almost like boundary area where I went, Oh, I didn't like, that you know i didn't like the yeah. scarlet it made uh, you got, face yourself in a different way you yeah, know yeah, yeah you had some so accountability 
Exactly. Because so many times, like when you're with your peer group, they're encouraging you. They're like, dude, you were so funny. You know, like yeah. it was so funny that you forgot your, you know, your wallet and your credit card at the bar because you were so drunk. And, but you know, when Scarlett's along, it's like, now I got to call the bar and come back in with this kid. <laughs> I'm like, that was, that was a hundred percent me last night, you know, and now yeah. I'm here. So, uh, so being authentic, you know, I just want to be authentic. So when we got home from the divide, Number one, no one had ever told me. I had never read an article. I had never, uh, for all the years that we've been doing this, and while the divide was by far the longest ride um, we had ever done, we have we've done lots and lots of tours. Um, but no one had ever discussed, and I had never read anything about uh, like post adventure uh, depression, um, and I knew nothing about it. My, I think my wife actually brought it up. And I began to like read some articles and try to find it. Even that was like, there wasn't a whole lot on it, but what's really wild about it is that you're operating, like we were operating Scarlett and I on this level of exercise that was through the roof. Like we averaged over 70 miles a day. And when you're exercising and putting your body through that, the endorphins and all of the chemicals that are flowing into your brain are at a massively high level. And which is what exercise does, right? Like they talk about like the runner's high and all these kinds of things, right? Um, but when you're, when you're doing that for like 42 days straight and then we got done, uh, we had a period of a couple of days where we, um, there was an overlap due to some, uh, due to my wife, uh, picking up her cousin to, you know, drive along with her out to pick us up. Um, we just were at a hotel and, uh, my like the bikes were so wore out like they were the the drivetrains were slipping so bad like everything was just really hard and it was hard to get the bikes in and out of the hotel rooms and but either way we were not riding you know 70 some miles massive climbs and and all of that we just dropped off 100 and then you have days of driving home and so chemically really physically and, and chemically in your brain in in i'll just say in my brain uh, there was a lot happening, which sent also helped with this whole depression uh, or, or um, uh, uh, um, depressed state. Right. Um, and then there was also, and I think Scarlett brought this up. I didn't recognize until partway through the ride. I, I was having panic attacks and um, a lot of, a lot of it stemmed it, the responsibility hit me later. Like, I had planned the ride and we were so excited and Scarlett was so stoked. And then Scarlett had like her little, her little breakdown, but right before the ride, like we were literally yeah. supposed to be leaving for the plane. And I said, if you want to go up and say, you know, pet the goats up at Jen's and say goodbye to Jen, cool. And then get down here. Cause we got a jet. And then she never comes home, you know? And, um, but she had hers before him. Like it hit her like, wow, what am I about to get onto? And we had this discussion and really no, no pressure. Um, at the same time, it's like, well, actually our bikes are in Canada right now. And, uh, we should at least fly because we already paid for the plane tickets and it'll be a fun flight. And, and literally like if she wanted to just get the bikes and, and turn around and come home, that would have been totally cool. You know, like it was, there was no pressure and she just needed to know that, that, that I didn't expect anything out of her. And then she also needed to like talk through what she was feeling afraid of, you know, she was afraid of the lack of, I mean, really that's the lack of structure. It's the lack. she's, 
she really adheres to that. She's she likes having these routines and you know, a goat barn functions on a routine. And and so it was that mystery of like what's out there, but also like what am I gonna be like not having what I have here at home? Um so she had hers, then I had mine in the middle. All of a sudden, and it, and it was sort of sparked by seeing uh a lot of signs about grizzly bears and we had bear spray and like we had done uh, some lead up to like bear, you know, safety and all of that. Like I, I, I was smart about it, but I didn't, I, I guess like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know that it was really that it was overly done with like bear caution, but that was sort of like what brought it to, it was like the, the, what do they say? The, the, uh, the straw point. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just like, Oh man, like, what, what am I doing out here? Like I'm responsible for this 13 year old kid. Like I don't even, I can't even protect myself from a bear. You know what I mean? Like I can't protect myself from these cars that are flying by us on dirt roads. And, and honestly, I felt really helpless. The landscape is amazing, but you feel really, really small in so many scenarios and um, a lot of things built up, which, uh, which makes sense. Like now that I'm home and I've processed a lot of things in like different place, it totally makes sense what I was going through. I also um, didn't realize that I wouldn't have uh, the the cell service to be able to kind of talk things through with. So like, I, I wasn't able to like call my wife and just be like, Hey, I just need to air some stuff like feeling scared right now, you know, feeling what, whatever that may be. I didn't, I didn't have, there was no network anymore. Um, and uh, that, yeah, that, that, so in the middle of it, I had, I had one panic attack, Scarlet Solid came out like as me just kind of being really angry uh, at my wife, really over the phone. Um, and afterward, I was like, that wasn't, I don't even know what I was doing, you know? And late, like it took, it took kind of, uh, calming down and realizing I am actually, I'm actually having a panic attack. And then I was, I, I could recognize them coming on. A little bit more, um, and then I could get myself calmed down. So I implemented some new things during the ride. Like I would just type up text to my wife um, and to some friends, just really being honest with like, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm scared of. Or I'm doing really well with this. Um, also, let Scarlett know, like, talk to her about the whole thing. Like, I'm terrified. Like, I feel so much. It would be totally different if I was by myself, but like, I feel so responsible for you, you know? Um, and, and I think that's healthy, but it was also like the extreme versions of everything. Um, so upon getting home, there was, uh, marital things, um, with even before the divide that my wife and I had been going through. My wife was going through a lot of stuff. Like, all of a sudden we all had 42 days of like totally out of our element, like totally. We, we live as is probably uh, uh, pretty obvious, just talking with Scarlett. We live like really uh, knitted together. Like we're in each other's space all the time. You know um, uh, I even like playing as a musician, even when my wife, like my wife did have a, a desk job. She worked for a company, but for eight years, seven or eight years now that we've lived in Pennsylvania, um, my wife has been a, a, a care, uh, a caretaker. Uh, I'm sorry, a caregiver for her mother with Alzheimer's. So 
my my wife has been home for the most part i'm in the i'm also in the home we work some like odd jobs and we help friends and but like oftentimes scarlett will come along with stuff and we're it's we're all around each other all the time it's not like we both split and go to work and scarlett goes to school or even i leave and go to work or my wife leaves and goes to work like we're very much so now we have a long period of time where Scarlett and I are totally out of our element, um, doing this crazy great ride and, and and experiencing all these things. Um, but my wife was here at home holding down the fort and it was wonderful to know that. But like she was getting like, who am I? Like there's nobody here to like make the noise and you know, sing dumb songs and make stupid jokes and all of that. And like all of a sudden, I, I think my wife had like time to just who am I? Like, where am I in life? Um, and just the same as my panic attack uh, during the ride, you, 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 you tend to take out those things on the people that are closest to you because you feel safe. You know, you, you, like I wouldn't take it out on like some stranger uh, that we met. I, I'm more likely to take it out on like, you know, Scarlett or, or my wife or, or somebody that I feel close to you because it's safe. Like, they, I can be angry with this person and they're still going to love me kind of a thing. Um, and I think that in the same way, my, my wife was doing the same thing. Like, uh, when I, when she came and picked us up, um, she had a lot of stuff to process and it came out on, on me because I'm, I'm safe. Like I'm always going to be there, you know, unfortunately it was, it's hard for Scarlett because she was also coming off of the ride. And now she's like, she's thinking like, we're going to do jump right back into, just how we were and life is really, really different because like my, you know, Jana and I have a lot of things just personally to, to sort out on our own levels. And then we now, I mean, we're just now getting into the point of like, let's look at this now together. Like where, where do we go now? And, um, and it's really been very, very good, but not easy. Like growth is never easy, you know? Um, So we try to include Scar in these conversations, those conversations are super hard because they're often open-ended. Like, you know, well, what does Christmas look like? Like, are we going to still do this? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, let's, let's wait and see what that looks like at the moment. Like, that's kind of where, especially where Jana is, you know, like she just needs to live in the moment for a while because that's where she's at, you know? And, um, uh, but it's been really, uh, at the same time, I love, that Scarlett puts it out there. Like that's what's on her mind. That's truly her. It's also truly the reality of our life. Um, and yeah, like I am so grateful that uh, like, I'm so grateful that, that Scarlett has, has seen the process and I try to keep her updated. That's why she's like, dad's, you know, dad started going into, you know, see a therapist. Yeah, I did. Like, that has been one of the best things of, of that's ever happened to me, you know, is, is, is learning to, to, to really face, um, for me, a lot of it's aging. Uh, I mean, the divide was a good example. Like I do not recover like I used to, uh, you know, when my body starts breaking down, it doesn't just spring back overnight, you know? Um, but also just facing the realities that I'm getting older and, and, um, I, 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 always could set goals and I could meet those goals, right? I could set a goal to be faster, stronger, uh, whatever that may be when it comes to physically, but I'm 43 and those goals aren't going to happen 
for a whole lot longer. Like I, I'm not going to keep getting faster and, and stronger. And you know what I mean? Like I can maintain as long as I can, but the, the reality of life is that we do deteriorate and, and, and I, I wasn't really wanting to face any of that and really was very scared. The divide was a great way for that to open up and, and to really see it. Um, and unfortunately, I think that the society that we live in, uh, does not give enough attention to mental health. And so when somebody says like, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist or I'm in therapy or, you know, my, my child is in therapy or, you know, my dad is in, it's almost like we see it as this negative thing. And I think that's really, really, I think it's really sad actually, because, um, those things aren't, it's not negative at all. Like so many times we are just not equipped within our family units to deal with the things that we've involved. And some stuff is so out of our control, you know, um, and we shouldn't have to live under that, under those pretenses and under these unconscious mindsets. So um, one of the things that I uh, have found really helpful, there's a lady and I found her online and I'm usually like so against all of this stuff, but I came across this lady named Dr. Tori Olds and she's in Austin, Texas. And her um, her video series on transformational change was just incredible, and I it's very science based, but it's also very um, uh, based around some of like age age old uh, ways of looking at our like what makes sense, you know, and why does now there's science backing up these kinds of things, and I love her approach, and it's been really helpful. And then having a therapist, and I love the fact that that we didn't hide, like we're not trying. And I, and I, I actually like with our social media, one of the things that we're trying to get out there and trying to figure out a good way to make that happen is uh, a lot of people hit me up uh, privately and said, I made some mentions in some posts about like post adventure uh, depression. And I had people hitting me up like that is so real. Like I had that happen or I, I know of a friend of mine that like, you know, ended up, committing suicide or, or whatever. Like it's been, it's been a really interesting outpouring. And um, I think that these kinds of conversations are so healthy and so good to have. And, and in this community, like we should be talking about this kind of stuff and, and, and encouraging each other, not seeing it as this is, you know, a bad thing or a, or a, a thing we shouldn't talk about, or like my child should totally see that, <laughs> that I'm, that I had, I had something that I didn't know what to do with. I didn't know how to handle this whole thing. And, and I got resources to be able to, to help me and to get myself to this better place, even better than what I was before, you know? Man, I, I appreciate and love everything that you said. I couldn't agree more. You know, mental health is for some reason it has been taboo. And I think that our generation and the next generation will continue to break through those barriers. But just the same way that we go to a general practitioner to check up on our health and make sure yes. our blood pressure is good and and all these things, we we equally need to be um, touching in with with ourselves. Whether it's just going for a bike ride and 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 having conversations with yourself, but but also being honest with ourselves about our own limitations and our own abilities to work through mental health problems. And there are professionals that, that do that for a living. And, and it's silly to have these resources and, and to not tap into them. 
And I can echo what you know you're seeing online. We recently we do a end of year survey to the listeners, and, and one of the topics that um, was highly requested was more talk. I've I've tackled it in the past because I've, I've like everybody we've all had mental health journeys. It's not yeah. it's not like if but when right. We're always yes. going to have you know something yes. at some point in our life, and we can all relate to that. So there is an outcry for more candid conversations surrounding mental health. And and I do appreciate your candor. But at the same time, I felt obligated to ask you what your personal threshold was to share that publicly, because there is a stigma Stigma, um, at at some, uh, you know, in some circles and stuff. And so it just speaks to where we are at society. But I think, you know, um, we're all struggling. And I think that and it's one of the reasons I started a podcast because you don't get this on social media, you know, like, yeah, I, 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 we really need to break down the, the barrier that is there, whether it's through a film or a filtered Instagram post or whatever it is that, you know, yes, Scarlett and Flint did something amazing and they've been on this incredible journey, but there's blowback from that too. And, and life is challenging and life is hard. And, um, and, and we need to have that perspective. We as a collective group of humans need to have that perspective. And, and through that, we can feel a little bit better about what's happening in our own lives, but we can also be supportive of other people who are going through stuff and be like, yeah, I've been there. You know, I know relationships are hard. I know life is hard. And that is a much healthier approach to, you know, mental health than making it taboo and something we can't talk about, you know? So yeah, Yeah. thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a thought while we were talking, man, you know, what would be cool? Cause we're the same age. We both have a 13 year old. Well, you have a 14 year old now, but I would love to figure out a way for us to go on a bike tour, bike trip together somehow. I mean, we're, we're worlds apart. Um, but I, I, uh, feel a kinship to you. I like a lot of, you know, a lot of the ways that you're raising your child and you and your wife are raising your child, um, are things that I also believe in. I feel strongly about, and I, I take issue with, you know, I, and I have from a young age, you know, this, this, you know, one size fits all school system that, you know, you have to check these boxes. And if you do, you'll be a healthy, loving, productive, (laughs) successful human. And I unsubscribe from that. I don't buy into that at all. I'm not saying it it can't work for some people, but I know for me personally, no dice, you know, that's not, that's not going to work for me. I also liked what you talked about, about, you know, continuing education and, and, and it, and I, I think our school system did great harm for me personally by doing what you said, where it's like, okay, check in to school and now it's time to learn. And now you have all the information you need and, and now you're done. Yeah. I, and it wasn't until later in life that I really gained an appreciation and I'm still gaining appreciation for a continued education to pursue my passions, to, um, understand the world that we live in for a self-edifying reason, not because I want to have a cool job, but because I want to be a better and more well-rounded and understanding and empathetic person. And that has value and place in my life. And it was the school system that robbed me of that from a young age. I mean, they ruined education to a point where I'm like, 
oh, fuck learning, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hear so many people, like, uh, talk to kids and, like, uh, I don't know, it's really common for us to talk about what books we're reading. I thought it was interesting. I, I heard you say to Scarlett, like, what, you, what you've been reading recently – um, and like I'll ask kids and they're like, oh, I fucking hate learning. Or I, you know, I, I, I just, I just hate reading. It's like, where, where did that come from? Like, what is the, but there's like, there's this idea like that that's not cool or it's not I'm like, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think it's natural to be honest, because, because we can gain so much information. And then when you really break down with, the, with this person, like, well, what is that you don't like about it? You know, and they have no real reason. It's just that. They just want to go against what it's they're boring. Told. Yeah, yeah. It's like they just want to go against what what the idea is of the whole thing, and uh, it's really a shame. It's re- it's super. It's just yeah. I don't, I, I'm not really sure like how to. Well, I, I, at some point, like like I said, like so I tend to overthink things, and like I think about things like generationally, like how does this impact you know as a, as we keep going, uh, you know, with with our generations, and 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 what does this lead to, and all of that. And then like, I get really overwhelmed. I'm like, oh man, I'd better just focus on what can I look at? And I just focus on like, actually, I've got this beautiful child and I've got an amazing family and we just need to like, we need to do this right, you know, or as right as we can. And then, and then the next generation, if Scarlett does choose to have children or or whatever, but she will touch lives no matter what, like we're always uh, touching other people's lives and involved and like that that's the circle that I'm, I guess, responsible for. And then that will branch out, but I don't have to like change everybody. You know, I don't have to, what we're doing is, is enough. And and, and it just needs to be authentic and, and real. My wife is like, this is the, like what you touched on with um, getting older and, and, and now like, Oh, I can still learn just for me. Like, just because I want that not to like, not to further my career necessarily or make more money or, or whatever. But my wife is like, I, I love, she's always learning new like skills and techniques. And I mean, it's just incredible. And it's always just for her own gain. And then, and sometimes she'll like get frustrated because she's like, well, I learned how to make, you know, maybe it's like soap making, you know, it's like, I learned how to make soap, but like, I don't, I haven't done that for a long time. It's like, yeah, but like you were so all in at that point. It was so cool. And that's okay too. Like you learn a skill and, and maybe you'll keep doing it forever, but it it didn't, it didn't take away from the fact that your brain was, was active and, and, and you're taking in information and then you're applying, like, this is the whole reason that we really should be learning uh, advanced math is because that's, it's not necessarily doing math or doing algebra, but our brain is 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 taking that information and it's learning how to think in a new way, in a in a different way, and that's what's really important about this stuff, you know. Um, and I just love that. Like, I just think that's so cool. And over the years, I know so many people have have watched. Especially, I, I tend to do the same things over and over. I think I'm so much like Scarlet that I'm like, I'm just gonna go ride my bike, you know, and I'll go do this touring thing, and and I, you know, I try to. Uh, gain new experiences and I'm always reading, but, but my wife's so much like the hands-on person. She's like, I'm going to learn how to landscape, you know, and I'm just going to go out and build this thing. And it's what I'm going to learn how to do. And, and she's just all in and people get so encouraged when they, when they see that, you know, here's this, here's this like lady and, and she's just absolutely killing it doing this thing. Like, and then they're like, well, why did you want to, like, are you going to try to make a business? She's like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, but I'm really glad that I know how to do that, you know? And that's, I think it's amazing. 
It was uh, Carrie from K-Light who shared on this podcast, knowledge is light, and I recommend you carry as much as you can. And I think that's just very prophetic and simple advice, and uh, it can only do do good things in your life, you know? Yeah. Let's tie a bow on it, man. I could I could literally talk to you all day, but um, I'd, I'd love to figure out a way for us to connect and go ride bikes and do a yes. little tour. And uh, at We're a minimum, on, we should... Like you live like kind of... Are you right in the city? Or are you like, I don't... Maybe I don't quite know. I, I live in uh, Bryan, Texas. There's about in this, you know, there's about 200,000 people in the surrounding areas. I looked up your town. It's like 1,400 people. So yeah, a lot more people here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're way out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's that's. I mean, I would love it. it I know Scarlett would love it. Um, oh, that'd be yeah, so much. We'll, fun. Uh, we'll text about it. My year is getting full, but maybe later on in the year we can figure out a way to to do something. And and uh, yeah, it'd be cool to connect, see other other parents and kids that are out there doing stuff, and maybe we can make a group ride and get get a big that's big group so cool. of people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Right on, man. It was a pleasure. I appreciate I appreciate the chat from both of y'all, and and I I particularly am, uh, appreciate y'all y'all's candor and and willingness to share your experiences. I I think that they're needed. You know, I think we need those those types of examples out there, and I uh, appreciate you sharing yours. Oh, thank you. Well, till next time. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity and for sharing the story, man. Really do appreciate yeah. it. You'll hear it on the airwaves. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, All right bye. Oh, bye, Scarlett. <laughs> bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It was an absolute pleasure to chat with Scarlett and her dad, Flint. As you can tell, they're both extremely charismatic. They've got years of experience to draw on, and they were a lot of fun to talk to. I am absolutely inspired. I'm actually staring at my tandem bike right now. And uh, I'm going to be having my own 13-year-old daughter listen to this episode, and hopefully she gets inspired to go on some more epic bikepacking trips with dad. And if not, maybe I just take her. Maybe I just make her go. I don't know. We'll see. But again, thank you to Scarlett and Flint for coming on. Absolute pleasure, and I cannot wait to see what y'all do in the future. Don't forget to support the people that make this show possible Today's episode was brought to us by Old Man Mountain Racks and Athletic Greens. And of course, if you would like to contribute to these episodes and help me produce them, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes for death. Bikes for death.